Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's uh, Smiley's Garden, and uh, this is the organic takeover. Uh, this week, we got uh, Bob on the job, Rasta Bob. You guys might be familiar with him. A lot of people in chat uh, have seen Bob around on some shows, but uh, awesome. Looking forward to talking with you about some gardening here, Bob. How you doing, man? Yeah, man, give thanks for the moment, give thanks for life, you know, and really give thanks for the truth and the opportunity to present. So, yeah, that's basically it, you know, really give thanks for the moment. And um, I guess you can just steer the conversation so we don't get carried <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, man, that's, uh, um, no, I know, uh, I know you just do a lot of different things and, uh, and I really wanted to try to pick your brain somewhat on, on some of the, uh, the different styles of gardening. And, um, I know you had a guest maybe lined up too, that might jump in. So, um, I don't know if you wanted to do an intro for, for that or, or, um, we can kind of go other elsewhere too. until she gets Well, there. I gave her, I told her we'd be on for a couple hours. So I really wanted to make it comfortable for her, her convenience and, I didn't really know, but today is actually a big day in her life. So it was really cool that she even agreed to come in. But um, it's a it's a whole facility in Jamaica here. They call it the Source Farm Eco Village. So it kind of encompasses the whole permaculture lifestyle into a village setting. So you have your kind of big farm and everybody has their individual, you know, living accommodations. But then they all pull together and do share the work and, you know, who shares the cooking and, you know, different things like that. And they have a school on the property, so different classes. So it's just like organic living all encompassed, you know, so your whole families can, like me personally, I might not be qualified like to go to high school, but I'm sure I can take care of the kids, you know, Uncle Bob, I'm, you know, so I can do the ABC, one, two, three, kind of, you know, the kindergarten kind of you know, and the arts and craft and stuff like that. But then you have qualified individuals within the community, you know, that provide. Um, and I really reached out to them, especially when the whole medicinal marijuana was legalized in Jamaica. They were doing, they have been organically certified for many years. And I'm sure she'll go into more detail where that's concerned. I don't want to get too, you know, um, yeah. miss up the details. You know, I don't want to get, you know, messed up the data. However, you know, they have this good permaculture, good, and they have been doing classes on permaculture and people flying in all over because it's hard to really find, from what I'm understanding, to have organic certified properties. It does take a bit of a while. I mean, even the international, what is it, the International Organization of Organic Movement, but they have an international movement, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then the Jamaica would have like their charter underneath it. And then you have Europe have their charter underneath it. And states in America has their charter underneath it. So, you know, it's kind of globally compliant. But to get to that point, it's really, a, you know, it's a struggle for most people, especially if you're starting from a salt-based or a previously salt-based land. But I guess you have places that are fortunate that weren't being planted and weren't being, you know, heavily farmed that way so if you started fresh virgin and you probably get your designation a little easier once you set up but i still think even then it's still going to take maybe a three to four year process you know so most farms it takes them seven you know seven years you know in that range to kind of get that perfection permaculture status kind of going so 
they were already doing it fully organic certified and they were doing courses. So obviously with the attraction of the medicinal industry and the medicinal ganja industry, you know, we, we you know, a good team of us came together, satire, good, not a virgin of and a good, you know, set of agriculturists and myself was very, you know, fortunate to be a part of it. And yeah, we came together. So we do like a nice course where they have like three to four weeks of permaculture and then two weeks of medicinal cannabis where that's concerned you know so yeah it's pretty cool so i'm just looking forward to see what she can bring but definitely let's dive into the organic garden in between while she feels in i don't want to step on up i hear the phone ring it might actually be her calling yeah, if you don't ahead, mind man, grab that, grab that, yeah. whatever i can shout out to some guys in chat what's going on chat see chad and brad family farms johnny can BX Gunner, CJ Apple, what's going on, buddy? C Dub from NorCal. Appreciate all you guys coming out for the show tonight. So looking forward to hanging out, talk a little permaculture. I guess uh if anybody's not not sure the term of permaculture, but there's um God probably not even get the definition right, but it would be uh growing multiple different species. So um throughout the land name. Um, I know there's a lot of work they do to change the land with uh, water swells and uh, different things to collect water too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, man. How would you define permaculture, Bob? Man, um, this is where I need Nicole to come okay, in. Okay. But definitely, I would 100% say definitely um, a permanent culture. I just really draw for the exact definition of the word. So anything you're doing that in some level has evidence of permanency in it. You know, so it's it's a conscious step to whatever implements you're putting in place to have it down the road setting for whatever I'm putting on. So for example, you're putting a concrete block. This is going to be concrete that's going to be in the ground for 20, 30 years or whatever it is. So a lot of people put in these posts with these preconceived ideas that that's why they're doing it, because it's a solid foundation. It does this and it does that. So within permaculture, within what we would like to encourage is more regenerative approach in regards to the, the permaculture directly. Ah, hello. Good there evening. I think she's finally in. How are you, Naomi? Naomi, sorry. Well, I think that might actually be one of our workers' names, but you know, we take okay. any help we can get. It took me a while to figure out how to put in Bob on the job and all these fancy things. So while uh, she's getting set up, you know. But yeah, in terms of the permaculture and the permaculture movement, where we'd want to highlight it is that it's a more organic based regenerative flow in permaculture. So permaculture does kind of exist on a whole, but when we set it or when we highlight it or when we speak towards it, we're really thinking of something that's more pleasantly beneficial to Mother Earth and its environment on a permanent basis. So if I was to sum it up, that's how we do it, you know. So not even to us directly, what would be beneficial to, you know, Earth, and its sustainability, including us, for a permanent basis. That's how I would sum it up on a whole. You know, I like that a lot. Is that, um, in, uh, 
that's kind of the whole idea of being regenerative too, you know, building uh, for the long term, the long haul. And in the permaculture, where where it really highlights, like was really drawn into it, I really realized that most of my movements is along that line. Is when you really start farming, maybe you won't even start doing anything for the first one to three to four months, maybe even up to a year. You just spend a lot of time just watching the land. You just really watching the natural flow of the land, what kind of fauna grows there. When it rains heavily, where does the rain fall? When the wind blows heavily, when does it happen? So that way, when you start implementing things on the land, you work with the natural contour and the path of least resistance or you implement things that you know can help you build a permanency in terms of the culture that is a you know a sustainable process for mother earth and its environments right there so if you just start within january maybe you don't know what it looks like when it rains so where you build your trenches or where you build your land swales or whatever it could be pretty missed you know in a line or you make your work more difficult you That's know. what I'm trying to say, you know. So things like these are very, you have to be super conscious where you're concerned. So it's not super attractive to the commercial aspect of agriculture or farming. However, to the sustainability of earth and, you know, its environments, then we can see that it is the way to, it is the way definitely to, to go, you know, for a more sustainable realm. No doubt. So before we went live, you had mentioned, um, uh, somebody from Michigan that had gone down and stayed and so that's like a, a class like you go and live there and you get educated on the permacultures over your time staying there is that kind of how that works yeah man so they do several courses throughout the year and you know you have different schools across the globe that kind of does this but when I found this in Jamaica and they have several of them actually but this was one that I got working with and yeah it was fortunate enough that we had um we have a lot of international people. I think it's maybe even 50-50. Like if you have, just for argument's sake, 10 students, five of them would be international and five would be kind of local or Caribbean. So, I mean, you know, Zimbabwe, Australia, you see people coming in from all over, you know, so it's kind of cool. So you get to do like a three to four week permaculture course that you do get certified in, in terms of understanding the concepts and the principles and the applications thereof. Because remember, you're on a farm. So even though you have, you know, your sleeping area and you have a classroom setting, it's living hands-on in the soil, you know, and it's not fancy-dancy. This is permaculture. So they try to incorporate the natural terrain of the land, you know, using, we say shop at the Home Depot as a joke, but you really look in your backyard and see what we're going to use, you know, really shop at the Home Depot, see which trees if we're going to have to cut any trees, can we repurpose them? Can we reuse them? You know, and they use them now to help build the beds or build posts or, you know, whatever you need to do on the land. So they really get a full hands-on concept of seeing everything from start to finish of how that course setting. All right. Are you with us? Finally, finally getting in. It took, me <laughs> it took me a hot second, but I'm here. And let me just change up my name. <laughs> All right. Um, I was trying to do my best to give a synopsis of permaculture <laughs> and, you know, the whole definitions, but, you know, and then the course offering. So I really just gave them a general view of, you know, what's offering. And I mentioned to them that we have people from, you know, even, there was even a couple from Michigan that came in. But as far as I think the courses are normally 50-50 in terms of international and local base. So it, it's very attractive. 
you know how it's set up because of the hands-on principles and concept and you get to live it it's not only like you go to school and then you go home you know you kind of are living fully within that eco village and then the medicinal marijuana plot i was you know very happy to or humbled to be asked to be a part of it and me and my friend especially satire and there's a few other ones that you know really came in so it was a really good you know offering in my opinion you know that could really be brought out and we have seen you know even results people calling and said yeah we did really good for us so you know it was just a small offering so i'm sure we can you know go into a little more with nicole a bit and then i can take on the late night shift you know what i mean okay <laughs> most definitely um why don't you introduce yourself and and uh tell us the we didn't say the farm the source farm but yeah. Okay. Well, hi everybody. My name is Nicola Shirley Phillips, and I'm one of the directors here um, at Source Farms. And we've been around for underground for about going on like 13, 14 years. Um, kind of coming, kind of coming back to Jamaica. A number of us coming back and wanting to see how we can do some community development work. And we kind of fell into the space. We have 63 acres of land on this particular property in St. Thomas. And we kind of came back to do a, a, a kind of um, some work in this particular parish because St. Thomas is a parish, it is a parish that's been left behind. So we kind of came with like a community economic development strategy and see what we can do for the community and how people that have been in the diaspora can kind of link in and do some work. And then it kind of led us to seeing uh, like, trying to do everything. <laughs> so we, we had to, you know, we come into this thing in the eco-village, so we have to figure out how to build a house, so we're building earth bag and doing monolithic domes to, you know, obviously how we want to eat or the, the kind of foods we want to eat, realizing we have to like start from scratch with the organic farming. And it's like one thing has kind of led to another thing, it's just like village scale. So everything you have to do in village scale, we have to kind of refigure it out because you know, the system kind of made the designs on you. So we had to kind of redesign our own system. So we kind of had to do from everything from, you know, solar to wind. Um, and then as we're doing it, we're teaching. So I know this program is kind of focused on, you know, on urban stuff. So for us, um, what I saw happening, you know, when they decided that they were going to, you know, take off some of the restrictions, and it's still an issue. And, you know, he'll tell you that it's still an issue with what's going on. A lot of foolishness are gone. Um, but for us, because we have this environmental um, work we do, I just saw uh, we have our farmers that are farming in Jamaica and they're using a lot of, there's some good traditional models that they can use, but a lot of it has been whatever was left over from this plantation, plantocracy kind of system. And everybody kind of hide up doing it, still growing, but still not doing it. Well, people would come and say, oh, you know, years ago in the 60s, 70s, when I came, got good herb, and now it's, you know, people have lost, you know, kind of lost some ways. But also just the impact on the land. And the government said that they're going to do something. Whenever the government here gets involved with anything, is pure madness going. So we just said, wait a second, if we're going to do this, what's the environmental impact of this? And how are we going to also work with the people who have been growing for a while and you know, make sure that they can kind of get a, a say in what happens. So we kind of we were the first ones to kind of touch out to Oaksterdam at first, and they came, they 
came, we invited them in because we wanted to, we always about education. Most of the people here, you know, we're learning and sharing and trying to figure the things out. And so we tried to work with them, but they kind of got <laughs> caught up in the, the, the other course thing and, and kind of left us. But we continue to try to figure out how we can educate more people about not just obviously growing, but the whole system. And also, because you can just grow, we don't grow no food. And then what's going to happen? You have to go now take it and buy food. So to make sure we're doing it in a more holistic way. And so we offer the course. Um, this is, I think, uh, this is going to be our, if for um, 2021, would be our third offering. So right now, we're the only people in the Caribbean that have offered a sacramental course or any kind of course um, offering to kind of look at permaculture and how do we make sure you design your farms and design your systems to work with you, not against you. And so it's important for us to kind of continue that trend. And so we actually, I mean, it's really funny. I mean, we actually um, wrote the um, standards, help write the standards for the facility standards for the training and also with SATA and the other guys and help, um, oh, it's a, so, um, write, looked at some of the work that they are trying to do because they still have to train up people because it's crazy. Like it's, it's a little crazy because they're saying nobody that is who has ever had um, any um, been to court or anything about weed can't work in the farm, but who's going to work in the farm? Because this is the people who actually know what is going on. So um, we're trying to figure out how to, how that's going to work. So Heart Trust is a place that usually do the training. Um, in Jamaica for all different levels of skill levels. So they came to us and and, and we kind of helped them put some things together. So we're waiting to see if they're going to actually can implement I, anything. Can I interject a small, yeah. just to give yeah, it man. a breather. Um, I think on a whole, this is a point that I find globally is an issue. So you have a system that's in place, but then anybody with a record or a cannabis record, say a federal record, you cannot work in the industry. And these would be called skilled individuals yeah. that we would need to employ because they have the knowledge and the previous training. So it's kind of illogical and it's there difficult because, you know, the labor force is what's needed to really drive yeah. agriculture, you know, as much as we'd like to put in machines and implement things. Yeah, we, you know, so... We'll find that right too. So what I'm thinking, Nick, Miss Nicole has highlighted is that she has been used like local training agencies. So, you know, every government agency, that's probably a good note to take for most people out there watching that. You can go to your local training agencies that take people like out of high schools. You know, every, every state and every, you know, district kind of have these kind of, you know, training institutions that you can probably reach out to and getting you know some of these workers from scratch and especially once created your SOPs and your training development plans it's easy now to roll it out you know a bit easier so I just wanted to highlight it because it's something that I hear repetitively yeah, over man, and over that staffing <laughs> staffing staffing you know the skilled ones you cannot employ the people who do you really want to employ is that my police record that's really only my, that's my, like my cv right now that's what really shows that i know about cannabis so you caught me planting or cultivating i got that charge in 90s or i got that charge in 2000 there you go i have 20 years experience in this thing so you know it should look good but it doesn't work way unfortunately yeah so, sorry about that interjection that's no no on. no it's important it's important yeah so 
And yeah, as so, I said, I mean, um, for our international viewers, you know, just a bit slower for the island. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, because okay. I do. Yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> so, yeah, the Jamaican and then on top of it, the, the, how fast I'm speaking. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, that has been a real challenge. And, you know, you know, even us working with, you know, um, the heart trust people in terms of helping them with the facility standards and that kind of stuff. You know, when we looked on, the, on, the, on, on it, the many people that were actually asked to help write some of this stuff never smoke yet, <laughs> you know, in a sense. Um, and they're making decisions for stuff. So I was so happy to be able to get Sata in for him to really look through the thing and really fix. And there were a lot of challenges still with how it was written. So trying to see if we can make some, um, you know, repairs to... And something that makes you know more more common sense. But my biggest problem has has been in terms of both organic farming and also the industry is that the permaculture piece is not really being taken taken care of, and just to how we're managing the land. And that you know one of the things that's been really coming to me is that with whichever herb, whether it's it's um, Spanish needle, any any kind of plant plant based thing, is this. We, the way how we as humans are looking at things. And I always say whenever humans run after the natural world for profits, all that falls is destruction and, and all kind of something. And so we have to kind of think of ourselves as part of that um, nature. We are not separate. We're not, you know, just walking around like, you know, the jolly green giant walking on the land and just trampling everything. The way that we have to look at things is a little different. And we are part of it. And we need to get ourselves back into a natural order of things in terms of working on, on working with the plants. But the plants are feeling it. And that's, you all know that in terms of dealing with, with herb, that it's, it's, it's going to respond to you. And just like everything else. And so when we're making certain decisions and doing certain things, we need to take that into, in, um, to incorporate that. That is not just about even, even for farming, we're farming from the skies to the core of the earth. And so all those things have to be in place. And that's why the permaculture or regenerative farming, however you want to call it, because people have different, different names for it, is that we need to really get back in touch with things and not just, uh, we set up something and we're not looking at the wind, we're not looking at any energy systems that are flowing through the that place. That goes on just, to the, the question I was trying to answer when you came in at the right time. What mm -hmm. is permaculture? Because I mean, this is something I'll say. I don't separate ganja from any different plant. Mm -hmm. If you're farming, it you're should fine. not be monocropping, first of all. It should be polycropping, and you should be conscious of the crops that, you are, that are around you, whether naturally selected or you are bringing them in, especially when you are bringing them in. So, you know, I don't see it any different, whether you're planting yams, peppers, tomatoes, whatever mm -hmm. it is you know, permaculture, but let's start with a little definition or what would you say the definition of permaculture well, is? Perma so permaculture is really a design system and it came out of Australia with Mollison and a, a group of, of folks there because other people that were involved. And so they wanted to look at permanent, permanent agriculture because they realized as they studied different landscapes that the way how people were uh, doing agriculture it was just leaving like deserts behind. Just after a couple of years, it's just a wasteland and you have to figure out how to rebuild the soil. And so they actually studied indigenous systems and looked and seen best practices and then um, put together 
those indigenous systems that they saw at work and even bring in some new technology. And then also then also incorporated um, just, just a way of liberty. So if you live in a certain way and it's a permanent agriculture, you don't have to keep moving and, and, and you know, doing the structure and then moving to someplace else. And in Jamaica, we see this all the time, right? Somebody would clear a piece of land, they would clear the land and they would burn the, burn the land. You're doing that all the microorganisms in the soil, it's gone, earthworms are gone, there's nothing there. And then you get a, a bumper crop from the carbon that was from that, from that one time. And then after that, everything is gonna go, yields are gonna go down because you've kind of run everything off the place. And so, but if you have a more regenerative system in place, then the plants are working with each other, the nutrients, the, the, the families of plants, the gilded plants, everybody's kind of working, working together. And then you don't really have to move again because you've designed a system for yourself that is more holistic and you're now part of the system and not outside the system trying to pull things from the system. So that is one of the things and it allows you to bring in how you, your whole lifestyle, how you're living, the zones, the sectors, looking at everything, living from the sky to the soil, to what's been lead, all those things, and then bringing it in. And it's really an old way of looking at things that we kind of turn back and saying it's new and trying to reintroduce people in, into that. So I feel, you know, when I teach and I work with, with reverse people, I don't want nobody to touch the soil until they really don't move anything until you really get a better understanding because it's like you don't. Know, it's like you have a, a vehicle, and you, the person has never known nothing about mechanics. Never went to a school. Never read a book. And then you say, "Go fix my car," or "Go fix my food." <laughs> it's like madness. It's totally crazy. You would never do that. You want somebody who to do brain surgery on you that never attended a class, but yet still everybody thinks that they can pick up a seed and start to plant things, and they have no idea what they're doing, and so they end up losing on the soil and the earth loses too because you just create a whole bunch of drama and destruction on it. And so it's really important for us to, to take some time and everybody in a rush, take some time, slow down, slow your roll, get a better understanding of this amazing, you talk about people are looking at computers as, uh, as, as amazing and look at the intricacy of that. Just take one little teaspoon of soil and one little patch of earth and look at the dynamics of all the systems that have to go into place to let that thing, you know, grow or the things in that space operate. It's so many different things going on in there. And we're not taking the time to really study the, the one of the things that is the most important thing beneath our feet. Exactly, right? <laughs> and the interest, look at that. You know, the fruit, just looking at how amazing Whoever designed that particular, I always feel like there's a designers, you know, the, that design the fruit and design the thing and the interaction that needs to happen for those things to be produced. Now we have studied some things, but we don't have everything. And it's important for us to slow, to slow our role and really try to realize that we are part of a system. We're not separate from it. And then learn as much as you can. And then, and then do the work with the, with the, with the, with the, the natural environment around you. One of the things that, said, that came to me the other day, they gave me an example of, as a matter of fact, I was talking to a tree, we had a little tree ceremony and we have this tree that's about four or 500 years. And I sat down and I said, all right, we're gonna see if this thing works. <laughs> I'm gonna have a conversation with the tree. So I sat there and I got into a zone and a space with the tree and the tree said to me, gave me the example of, 
They said, if we took you and put you in the middle of China <laughs> and there was no one that spoke English, would you be able to you know, understand and communicate with them? You could understand some things because you're, you know, body language and things like that. But would you know the language? And I, I, I wouldn't know the language. I don't know Mandarin or any of the other languages that is um, dialects that they speak. And it's, it's the same thing with the natural world. It's all around you, but you haven't learned the, the language of it. So you can't communicate. And what we're supposed to be doing is learning the, the language of the plants around us because they do speak. But we're not taking the time to slow down, right? To learn from, from the environment. Instead of trees speak to each other, you can be in one part of the island and you're on the other island and you want to get a message, you can get the message. But that means you'd have to be able to be slow enough down to be able to understand and take the time to really do the communication. And it has then the same thing with other plants. So until we understand that we're not separate and walking around like we run things, they are the ones we can go, but the plants are really there. And until we slow down and start up, communicate with them you know you can tell a plant as a as a, a spiritualist or herbalist you can be doing something and you want to get a healing on something and you just talk to the plant and said do this work and the plant will do it if you have that connection with the plant and so we need to slow our role and get back in touch with things and don't think that we're separate from it and it's not just about running down and you know people uh, you know a lot of people here are running down for just money that thing will flip on you and you end up getting yourself in a trouble because of that, right? So we have to just start, you know, and I think COVID is a, a prime example of that where people are not well. And it is not just about weed. It's about all the medicinals. Jamaica doesn't have a high count of it because we are still more grounded in nature because even if we don't realize it, I mean, we just have to things in a natural way and we may eat some cow or might eat some other greens or have coconut water or be out in the sun. We just do the thing because we don't have no we don't, we don't have we have no choice or we don't know no better. We just do it. And those are things that are building our immune system. And what I found, I've lived in the US and there's a lot of poor, it's like there's no food there, really. One of the reasons I left, I was in Philly and I left Philly, Philadelphia, is because my herbalist tell me if you stay here, you're going to die because there's no nutritional value in the food. And so you have better ch chance being in where you come from, from Jamaica, to go back and heal yourself with the plants that are there because it can actually pull up the nutrients and you actually are going to be able to impact you. And I think that until we understand the whole cycle of things, that's why permaculture is important, we're gonna be having, it's gonna be easy. It's like having a plant that is not, a plant that is not well, is susceptible to everything. And we are plants. We are part of that. We don't separate. We shouldn't be separating ourselves and say, you know, um, ourselves like we are better than. We are part of this entire system. And every single mineral that is on the planet, in here, family, is, is also exists in us, right? It's in us. So we are the tree. The tree is us. We are the weed. The weed is us, right? And if we understand how to navigate the space, we can become the tree. You understand? Yeah. So if you understand those things, right now we have a lot of weak plants, you know, weak beans walking around. And that's just why we become susceptible to anything that anybody wants to spray us with, right? Because we're not strong. 
And the only way to do that is to really make sure you're, you're eating and you're consuming things. I see people right now that are growing weed and they're spraying you with all kinds of chemicals. Like, what's up with that? You know, you want to ingest that? You don't want to ingest that. So organic, regenerative, natural, whatever you want to call it, we need to get back to the basics of things and we need to reconnect ourselves to the planet that we're in. We're not separate, we're part of this whole ecosystem. And until we do that, we're gonna have problems. And just even the way how we're doing it is like, you know, it's just everybody grab, grab. We don't need all of that. We need to look at ourselves and you, you find like, even I'm looking at stuff that's happening now with COVID. A lot of people are separated, they're disconnected. <laughs> they're not, they're disconnected. And they're disconnected from the natural world. They're disconnected from themselves. And so that's the illness now will come on on people in a more of a way, and a mental illness, the physical illness. They can't know what to, how to, to get out of this depression and start taking all these synthetic things and that kind of stuff. And they're not coming back in the natural order of things. And we need to, we need to reconnect. And until we do that, we're gonna, we're gonna be at, anybody can come and spray us with anything and we're gonna fall, <laughs> you know what I mean? But we are, and if we follow the things of in terms of planting in a natural way and, and organ and understand the systems that we're under. We have our bodies and most people don't understand their body. So if you don't understand your body, all you're going to know to feed it, how you know what to feed it. Is that the right thing for you, the wrong thing for you? Because we have disconnected ourselves. We spend more time studying other things that is not important, but we have this amazing machine that we have and we don't know anything about it, right? So, right, so we need to do that because it's kind of silly. You think about it, people spend years in a college and I ask them about the nutrition or what they're supposed to be eating. And, and on top of it, they're eating pure crap. Nothing in there is, is live. They can go to a whole day and not eat anything that is live, right? And then they, they wonder how they're going to function. Of course, their mind can't function because it's like having a car and you put protein in it. Car can't run off of that or whatever. So you know, you or say, something that just doesn't belong. When you and say so you go the whole day. When yeah, you, you go to hold and you don't eat anything live, what do you mean? Like you need like a, a live fish or like sushi or what, what do you mean something live? Live meaning fruit, meaning like you just cut that vegetable and you're eating that life force. So even with us now, the things that we're moving into, we're moving organic, yes. But we're going to be looking at eating for our own for each individual constitution. Because each person coming here on it with a mission, right? You have a mission, I have a mission. In order to do that mission, you have to be able to feed yourself the thing that is going to allow you to do that mission. You understand? Because each person have a each person coming with a, a, a different constitution. You understand what I'm, I'm saying? I like, I like where you're going, and if you don't mind, give me one minute, and then I'll let you pick it up. You see, I liken the plant to us many times. And because this is a ganja-growing community, they really understand the fact of phenotypes and genotypes and these phrases. So, you know, like I have my lady and me and her, you know, with bed. And I have maybe two or three children with her. Even though that mating or whatever, it's the same breeding, the children are all going to be different. Same way you take a male tree, you put it to a female tree, you end up with 200 seeds. All of them going to express themselves differently. And the female tree can accept pollen from many different donors. 
So now the vast, you know, expression. So each one of them needs something individually differently. So is this a commercial plant? You're probably going to treat it differently. If it's a homegrown plant, you're going to treat it a little bit differently. You know, so if you need to make a certain amount of weight by a certain amount of time, you need certain strains that can take that stress and then you feed it accordingly. So just before you put it into your ISS training, you know, you might want to give it a nice soil drench just before. Stretch it out and, you know, it already has that charge in there already to help it kind of recover. It's already there. It's not after you stress it, then you're trying to put in something. Oh, let me just hit it with some recharge. Uh, you know, you try, you know, you kind of really plan out what you're doing and you're involved. So I like when you hit on the point that permaculture is really a design system. It's really a, a conscious, I was trying to say it's a conscious effort to do something, but I really like the words that you use where that's concerned. And now how you're bringing it right back home to where I like to not differentiate us from the plant. It seems so individually, all of us cannot be eating the same thing every day and expecting, you know, am I a commercial person? Am I a stay-at-home person? Am I an athlete? Am I... This I need to be feeding my body certain minerals are certain to help me to perform to my utmost purpose. Exactly. You know, and understanding or uh, overstanding that whole system and feed it. So, you know, I sum it up by saying eat to live, don't eat to die. So a lot of things we eat, it's really going to kill us slowly. So it's not even about what it tastes like or if it's good. But when you get the mentality that you're eating to live, Yo, no matter what it tastes like, once you know it's good for you, and that's what you really need. And once you do it after a while, your body just, yeah, it's like, yeah, no problem. You know, as, as we would understand, once you get the microbiology active that can break down these enzymes, it will do it. But that transitionary period of where the dominant microbes that are used to breaking down this is not getting that food source anymore, and you're trying to build up the other good probiotics now, and then it's going to take a little while to build up. But once it builds up and takes over now, it's right Everything there. So. Right. Then you can thrive and you're thriving. You know, so but that's, I mean, we're not, we're, yeah, man. No, that's exactly it. So we have to do this with everything because you say make your, your, your food, be your medicine, your medicine, be your food. It's to say it's it's all about that and really about connecting and really figuring out. I mean, you do that with herb anyway, figuring out what's the right, uh, you know, appropriate strain for for this and for that because you can do all of it and all of it you can ask the plant to do whatever you want to do that is how amazing that plant is all the plants are but you have to understand you have to understand yourself first to even know that right and if you don't understand and you're just doing any kind of madness and everything is just out of whack and that's what you this is what you're seeing a lot now um and it's time for us to wake up and to you know we are, we're growing as a species, as, a, as, a, as a, we're supposed to be, we're evolving. And in this evolutionary process, we need to, we're at a point now that we have to start making some better decisions for ourselves and also understanding about the planet because it's an amazing design. I mean, the planet was designed and we are part of that. And we, for us to evolve, we have to get reconnected to what it is because we're not, we're not growing as a species. We're actually in a, in a downward cycle. Right. And so we need to understand that, you know, one of the things I like about the connection of herb is that it brings people back into an international setting, even if they didn't really originally want to, because the conversations that happen, 
just logically bring you to have that kind of that kind of groundation. So if you you know, so all the people who are not believing, no oh man, no man. If you if you're moving in that direction, you have to have that conversation about this plant that normally maybe you wouldn't have it, have that conversation. But I'm saying take that thing and go a little deeper and go deeper and go deeper and go to the cellular level and then expand it out and then look at what else is around you, right? And, and then make that, that deeper connection. So that's what I want to see more people doing, not just doing the surface thing, but actually go in, go deep into all that work that is doing and make, making the connections. And then you'll come out the other side and go, wow, you know, and looking at all the things around you, you know, and, and your interactions with, 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 with the natural world. So that's what, I mean, we just try to have that kind of conversation and, you know, hopefully people come and they, you know, come through our doors and try to make those connections and get people to look at the world differently. And sometimes it takes a little time, but they go, they're going to feel uncomfortable. They're going to feel the discomfort because they know better. You know, so when they start doing certain things, they know in their soul, in their spirit that well, it can't work, can't work, you know. And so, you know, I'm right now trying to get even this permaculture course across the, like, for everybody on the island to be able to take it, as many people that are coming through art and stuff. And, you know, the other day, some of the people came through and wanted me to. And I'm like, no, you can't just teach organic farming. You know, you can't do it. I'm about, you have to teach the permaculture piece because you have to understand the space of which you're working in. You have to understand, you have to understand the space. You can't just come in and say, all right, I'm just going to do this one thing. You can't do the one thing because the one thing is connected to everything. It really is a full connection to do anything, right? So everybody wants to kind of be specializing and, and you can specialize. Yes, after you understand the whole thing, you, you look at the big picture. Then you can go in and say, all right, I'm going to do this. But let's look at the whole picture and understand the interaction because every time you move one thing, it, 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 it ripple, the ripple effects across the not just within your own self, but in your family and the vibration across the island and across the world and into the cosmos. Everything we do is felt, right? And so the vibrations that we're putting out, putting, putting out, and you know that with the plants and the vibration, you understand all of that. You talk about that all the time. So we are very powerful um, beings that are here, right? And so we need to use the power to understand it. Like when we step in a place, if we step wrong, how much impact it has. If you do, if you're doing this work and you're not connected in a in a in a, in a hard space way, how much that affects everything else, right? You know, we just kind of feel like we just we just do our thing and we just do our thing and not really, you know, but every action, it affects things. And working with the plants, you know, just like, you know, if I'm cooking food, I can't cook food when I'm angry, you know, or anybody should be cooking for you when you're angry, right? You need to make sure because that vibration is going into, into the plant, into the food, into everything. And so we need to get people to understand it. It's not about a fast food life, and it, 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 really. And that's why everybody's sick. Everybody's sick because of that. We just slow our rule and make sure when we're dealing with our bodies, these amazing machines, that we're taking our time and knowing what we're putting into it, you know? And how was it done? I, when I'm eating, I want to know who my farmer is. I'm always like, I want to know who's... And certain people I'm not eating from, and certain people you shouldn't be taking weed from because the spirit not right, 
you know? They might be able to grow the thing, but they grow the thing under what conditions? Under, under greed, they grow the thing under envy, they grow the thing under lack of love, they grow the thing, you know what I mean? You want to make sure that you're getting something from, from the highest vibration. And even in terms of, I want to say when we're doing some of this work too, some of the things that we're going to be doing at a research station, we got, we got donated 370 acres of land to do some research. We're going to be putting in all kinds of things to boost that vibration of the plant, whether it's crystals and just having people the right positive energy, you know, working in that space that get obviously music and the vibrations and all that stuff. And what I want to say, you know, I'm saying I'm making super conscious food for super conscious people, right? So that when you, do, you know, eat or ingest or smoke or deal with any of the, 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 the products that we are growing and, and it, you're supposed to, it's supposed to fill you up. You don't even need a whole lot because it is that potent that it's working on a cellular level, right? And you'll be able to vibrate that thing up because, you know, it's, it's that potent. So that's the kind of stuff that we're supposed to be doing. And not just, I mean, with everything, with everything that we're putting into our, our, our body, we want it to be at the optimum vibrational space that, and, and also specific to what it is that you want to do, right? But right now, all of us are heavy because we're eating these heavy things to have, eating the three meals a day. We don't need all of that. It's making us heavy. You're looking at everybody, weighted, you know, it's all weighted down. And if you're weighted down, you can't think right. You know, after you eat a meal, you just want to sleep, right? We can't think straight. And so you see people doing all kinds of madness. It's because of the food and the things that were ingested. So we have to like really think about this and, and also then make some shifts to make sure it's more appropriate and also start asking, you know, all our people that are doing our agriculture, are doing our farming, not, I mean, that we're actually doing both, that we're not just isolating this thing by itself. You know what I mean? Them kind of way that plants, just like people, when you isolate a person, <laughs> you know, what are you getting? You're getting a very shallow, a shallow kind of thing because that person's only been doing this one thing and that's it. If people like to be around people with the right vibe, right? When you're vibing, you're in a group of people and you guys are exchanging things, it's the same thing in the plant world. You don't isolate. You want to make sure it's done in a holistic way where everything is helping everything else and it's all vibing together and this is running with this and this is running with that. So you want that energy. So I feel like the movement, I feel like this movement can shift the world, right? I think the earth movement, those are people that are coming to the planet because they're not tied to you know, a certain mindset that they can think outside the box because it allows you to do that. And with that, no, we need to start to you know, worry, about, worry about our stuff and try to create a different kind of movement around cleaning up and connecting again to the planet and then, you know, navigating that space. I feel like it is something that can happen. And I feel like I see a lot of these, you know, young people coming into the space with this understanding of that and wanting to interact like that we need to do more of that and and give people the support that they can continue to do the kind of work and provide you know medicines and food for people so that they can get out of this you know unconscious state that we've been forced into and been controlled into and start making some better choices for ourselves anyway I, i've been talking <laughs> i want to you know let's you no, absolutely. I, I just want to say you're a beautiful, very beautiful person. And I love the message that you're saying and, and trying to spread. And I think it's awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. Everything you were talking about is very cool. 
<laughs> you did cover a lot though. No, um, so th these are uh, uh, things that, so when people come to the farm there, these are all kind of things that you're teaching over the course of weeks and, and they spend time there, they experience it, they experience the food and they get to feel the, the whole kind of encircling. And that, that was the beautiful part I thought about um, while you were talking is just how you were relating, you know, how the healthy the soil is relates to how healthy we are and how happy we are relates to how healthy the soil is. And it's this, it's this constant kind of giving back and, and everything reverberates off each other, you know? So yep. that, that was kind of a cool part about that. Cause I think that's uh, one thing we've talked about on, on different shows or whatever is being in a good mood and being happy. Cause man, I've absolutely witnessed that when somebody's just, you know, they, it wasn't even anything to do with the garden or the plants. It was just, you know, problems with this girl at home and whatever. And it was like, you just I could see it through the plants just the response from being there and it was a weird thing so I've, I've definitely witnessed that myself and uh and I agree it's all cool yeah man it's about being happy it really is a, you said happy and happy is important because that is that vibration that vibration of being you know the cosmic energy of love and that will bring that radiance because you're happy you're radiating and so it just affects everything around. And so, you know, that's one of the things too, when people do come here to Source. I mean, yeah, everybody has their little issues and stuff, but for the most part, Source is a, a, is a very good vibrational space. And we literally, sometimes with the classes, we have classes and we're like, okay, you guys are going to go on a weekend. And the people said they're not going anywhere. And most of the time, they're not, they're not going anywhere. And they're like, they want to they wanna be in this space. And I'm saying, this space is, you can create this space. Everybody that leaves here, should be creating that happy space. And as we make these bubbles of happiness, then they start mix, you know, hitting up against each other. And then you have a larger happy space, right? And so this is what we're supposed to be doing. And it's not hard. We don't have to all of this, any racial foolishness, all of that, whatever, none of that is about being the best being that you can be and being happy with yourself and your environment and understanding it and understanding the ups and downs and having the support around you and, and, and really trying to live a, a happy life. And with that you now comes the food and everything else really. So when you said happy, you know, if you look through the, you know, the Egyptians that, that, that word comes into play because there is an element of that of happy and happy is what this planet is supposed to be about, not a, a place of all this drama that is going on now. And we have the opportunity to change that just by what we're consuming and how we're consuming it. Like, is that, is that simple? But it's also a deep thing because in that no means individuals have to look at their life and not work, you know, sometimes, man, we want to work and the government is this and the government is that. You know, it's not about that. And Spirit will tell you, you have to work first on yourself. You can't worry about nobody else stuff. Try and change you first. When you change, then your mate and your children and everything will change. Everybody wants to be outside, looking outside of themselves. Work on that first and see the impact you have in a year space. And that's in permaculture, that'd be like zone one or zero. Yourself is zero. And then your, your, your house and everything will be the next zone. If you do that work first, 
everything is everything because that is now your perception of things. And if your perception is, if you let other people give you the perception, that everything is whatever they want to give you a perception of. If them say it's raining and you don't have enough sense to look outside and say it's not raining, <laughs> right? Because somebody says you say it's raining, then you're going to it's going to always be raining. So what we have to be known doing now is to looking what look at how we're impacting in our own zone, our actions, and then know from looking at these actions and are not supporting us, the food's not supporting us, the kinds of maybe herbs that's not supporting us, right? We start to do that work on ourselves, and don't worry about everybody else. Deal with that first, and then look at what will happen, how those things will shift and change around you. And then more and more, and you get up with other like-minded people that are feeling that, and you get the happy vibe like you talk about, and then more and more people will want to come into that consciousness, right? And that's it. Yeah, because if you, and if people know, it's not like they don't know what they're doing. There's very few people you meet up. And if you have a conversation with them, they know so some other things I'm doing. I saw you have fucked, fucked up or something on your thing. It's fair fuckery, you know? But yeah, they don't know it's not right. And their soul is not right. But you have to then, you know, start to create those opportunities. And that's one of the reasons that I think intentional communities are moving back into them because people are, the system that was designed that said, all right, we're gonna have to have two point whatever children and live in this picket fence house and everybody's, and we are now feeling the, the repercussions of that because the knowledge transfer is not happening from the elders, right? The, and talk about plant, plant knowledge, everything, all of those experiences are not even being transferred. Then on top of it, there's no support for the family. So everybody's stressed out trying to do everything and it's not possible. And now we know to need to come back into community. That makes sense. So it's just what time it is. And then, you know, another thing that we're trying to do is to say every household needs to be, a, we need an herbalist in every household and a master herbalist in every community, right? So that can help us navigate that space. And that's what used to in traditional systems, that's what happened. Everybody knew about the bushes and the teas and making these things. And we need to get back to that space, you know? And sometimes, you know, put down that, game box thing a little bit and go to the real game box thing is to go out and look at that soil and look at those connections that are being made in that in that way. And if we can do more of that, you know, it's all about balance and um, we'll be a much better, we'll be in a much better place. All right. I mean, I love, I'm loving where you're going. And I think um, the community the chat is really, you know, in tune with where you're at. But, you know, as I say, a lot of times the speeches get regurgitated and I like when we can connect them back to ourselves as individuals because we are no different from the plants. So we, if we're seeking the best, our people are seeking to go the best plant and to go the highest grade. Why not try to be the best person you can be? And what I find with the plant is that after a while, it really changes you a lot. You know, if you give it that time and really give it in, you find some things that used to stress you out. Not because you're high, but you kind of deal with reality a little easier and within yourself, you change, you know, consciously or not. Well, you hit the right topic in terms of um, soil and soil building. I don't know if you could just give us some quick tips, you know. We like the, I, I know they have a crew they call the Frugal Force in <laughs> Michigan, you know. And I just like the name because it's my kind of style. I told them that 
we have a thing we call it shopping at the Home Depot. So we look around the yard first and we don't try to outsource anything. We really see how we can, you know, reuse things. So I know, you know, good compost and worm casting, things like that. But something you said way earlier in the speech when we have a practice of slash and burning. So, you know, you clear a part in the mm -hmm. forest and you kind of burn it out. And you say you get a bumper crop in that first hit, but then after that, it kind of weans off. And we know that because of the additional carbon source, as you highlighted. So what, you know, suggestion, I guess, within your permaculture starts implementing then to put in those carbon sources. And I'm thinking maybe some biochar or something like mm -hmm. that. But is there anything specially? I know you have like special inoculations you put on those biochars <laughs> before you put them in. I don't know if you want to squeeze us any tips or anything where that's concerned, you know? Well, I mean, we've been starting to do some more work around. We um, had um, some mushroom work done earlier, and we're actually having um, oh, and our mushroom guy come back, um, coming back to do some work with us. So we're very happy about that. Um, so um, looking at um, adding some other, like adding working with mushrooms with the, within the soil and trying to build that. That's some of the things that we've been looking at, and even just for us, like the big work that I'm really doing is. In the next, well, we have a, a, pro, a project, a regenerative project. And for the islands, we have to really rebuild the soil because we had a lot of rain in the uh, last couple of, well, November, we had a very long and heavy rainy season that we went through. And when you look out to the sea, all you saw was our soil. You just look out and it was just brown. All around the coast, it was just brown. And it's all the soil. And I was, you know, freaking out like, oh my God, you know, because there's no machine to put it back on the, and look how long it took to grow, you know, to, to build that soil. And so we're just trying to get people to plant more trees and have a different approach to planting so that we start to build that soil. So planting a lot more trees that have, you know, that will cover and be able to build more soil. And, um, but then also doing a cash crop around it. So we actually, yesterday, we're just coming from Orange River Research Station and picking up a bunch of different plants. You know, um, for We have a group of farmers, 10 farms that we're working with specifically in St. Thomas, have a regenerative program. So we really are just trying to, you know, we went and we got trees because we're about to do this planting, regenerative planting that would give them the opportunity to plant some cash crop. And then also in that plant, you know, plant some more fruit trees. And then when, even when we're planting, we're doing like cocoa culture. And so that's like carbon banking in the soil. Right. And even to be honest, you know, my brother, you, you want to wanna go a little further into that for me. OK, for the, the, the hugel culture. So it's a German word. It's um, they call hill farming, but it's also something that's done. Most indigenous. So they what they would do um, is that they would make a actually kind of almost like an excavate, like make a trench. And all the things that were around them, they would just literally throw in it. Like if there's any logs or things that are breaking down kitchen scraps, you know, leaves, anything at all, they would just put that in there, in, in the trench, and then they would cover the soil that they removed back over it. And then they could plant into it. Right away, you can actually plant right back into that soil. You put some, even if you have some charcoal, any kind of battery, you can put in there as well. And then they call it carbon banking. So for us who had droughts and stuff, um, when, when we planted, and I did it, you know, I've done it, and I still do it. I planted things within that. That was the only thing that would actually, when we had droughts, that would actually 
survive because in that, when it rained, it was able to have pockets of moisture in there. And then everything that was in there was breaking down. So you had banked, you know, carbon bank, you had banked minerals and stuff breaking down. So it would actually then feed the, feed the plant. So we've been doing and trying to teach people about that. But for us right now, it's about a regenerative approach, planting and really about planting a lot more fruit trees in because one of the things we were doing with fruit trees too is that most people are not going to cut down a fruit tree in Jamaica. You know, we, we have a thing against it. If you're, you're a wicked person, if you cut down a fruit tree, right? So we've been trying to encourage our farmers to start to plant that because also, you know, the monocrop, or even if you're doing organic farming, you can still end up doing that kind of monocrop stuff going on, even though it's supposed to use organically, you know, those row crops. So we said no more of that. Let us really start to look at the hillside because we have a lot of hillside farmers. And so we, and then we're losing the soil off of there because of the planting practices. So we're trying to replant the trees and then give cash for crop and also do the food culture. So we're throwing as much stuff as we can at it. And then working with other things that like bringing in the, the different kinds of mushrooms to help build soil and help the, you know, the microorganisms in the soil. So we're just trying to do as much as we can with the resources and stuff that the farmers have access to, to be able to then build back the, bio, the biology in the soil to, to do so it. So that's saying, what we've been the, doing. The, because you hit a very key note, which I don't know most of our chat and everybody is super good in terms of understanding basic, you know, yoga culture. And I think a good point that you hit on is that it's not really suited for most places. It has to be done with a bit in mind, but definitely for drought prone areas with a bit of pre-thinking it can be very successful but mm -hmm. you know you really have to think about it but um moving forward into the the, the, the latter point is just the the analogies of building the trees are keeping the trees aligned especially on a large scale of farming most people thinking of clear the land but trees mm -hmm. themselves can actually be a very positive role in what they play within your farm and farming structure because mm -hmm. i've even found even ganja you talk about planting cash crop i've talked about when you're planting fields you have certain strains that they just seem to do better in the shade i can't really explain it but the ones that were always within that shade line of the tree or the forest line or whatever you call it resin out the box like you you couldn't walk past the plants without getting you know gummy and it's the same strain planted, but the ones that were just outside of that tree line shadow. I mean, they were nice, good, but they just wouldn't produce that amount. So you can definitely see where some of those things, you know, comes into play. Yeah, but also, but it, may have also had a, it also may have had a companion. The fact that something else is there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on! I mean, it's not just about the shadow. It's the fact that you have somebody to talk to. <laughs> Right. I'm not even trying to argue what it is. I just can't know that there was definitely a significance within that geographic location. Right. Okay. Yeah. And there's okay. lots of studies now that talk about the, 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 the plants talk to each other. There's enough of that. Everybody's yeah, supposed to. And I think the further point that you really hit on was that really now the scientific approach of, I see a lot of work being done on mushroom and mycology on a whole. And we're mm -hmm. talking about just one consumption, people are anti-raving. And we're not even talking about psychedelics and, you know, going right. to your own psychology and checking, you know, your balance. But even to the point of using it in like 
um, the dump fills. I've seen them trying to use, you know, breed a certain strain of, more, yeah. you know, that break down the plastic you know, garbage. Stuff, yeah. yeah, a bit faster than the typical mm -hmm. bacteria and so forth. And then they have one that in construction that helps with wood. So mm -hmm. like how they would normally use like, we call it bagasse board here. I think you call it chipboard or something like that. Yeah. But those kind of cheap kind of boards that right. you get like plywood, that's kind of really cheap. But they have certain mushrooms that they have noticed that once they put it under the wetting agent, it really binds. It gives it a binding force, almost mm -hmm. like a glue. So it gives it a concrete-like, you know, yep, rigidity. And so you have, you know, certain little planes. So now that you're saying that you're on to the part that these mushrooms are these different type of my, you know, will help you to break down your compost quicker or uh, mm -hmm. whatever it might be, or clean up the root zones a bit quicker, you know, mm -hmm. whatever these specific yeah. ones and breeding them for these specific, I think you're really on point if really regenerative or permaculture in terms of helping to heal back Mother Earth. Yeah. It's a real thing. Give it back yes. a good fungus and bacteria that can do what it needs to do and yeah, put it out of your hands. If we, and I think nothing in a bottle will solve it. You mm -hmm. know, so if you really take that approach and kind of help ease these ones back into nature and repopulate it, I think you're hitting some excellent charts, excellent points, you know. So if mm -hmm. you want to expand into maybe terming, those big words throw me off, but if you have any one of them, you can throw out there. No, I'm not a big word person either. I just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. But it's just, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's about sitting and studying taking your time and slow down because we're in a rush to go where, you know, we're in a rush to go where, yeah, you can go off. People want to go off planet. Yeah, you can go off this planet. Yeah. But there's so much here. There's so much energy that wants to be on this planet because there's so much. If you understand what's going on in the system that we're in, a lot of energies want to be here because it's an amazing place to be because there's a lot going on here. And we shouldn't be rushing around like, hey, let's have us on this hamster. Take your time and sit in your garden. Take your time and study the plant, you know, and see all of it. Just, just take it. You can spend your entire life just studying one plant. And I think that everybody should just do that. Take your life, pick one plant that you're, you're attracted to and study it and see everything that you need to learn is in that, is in that, is in that system, is in that plant, right? You slow yourself down and, you know, because you, you Everybody, what are you rushing around to do, right? You think about it. Take your time, learn your environment that you're in, um, and then and get reconnected. That's that's the big thing right now. Because right now, I'm looking at Jamaica and our food insecurity, right? And yeah, because we've been importing so much of our food, <laughs> so crazy, and um, everybody's rushing around to do what? We're it's a crazy thing. We're a species that. Listen, I, I, I don't want you to burst anybody's bubble. They have a real good image of Jamaica as a place that we just go outside and pick our food off our trees and eat it. You know, they can't have this assumption that everybody lives, the, lives like me. But really, I am in a very small bubble that I choose and I really have to work hard at choosing to live this way. And it doesn't work all the while, you know. But mm -hmm. as you said, the importation, the Burger Kings, the, the Pizza Huts, the, the, all the fast food is here. It is here 100%. You know, we don't get yeah. left behind out of anything. But sorry to burst the bubble, guys. Yeah. No, and there, and there is a lot of people, but we still need to do. We still need to do more. Um, I think that, you know, like my grandparents, you know, every time a child was born, they would plant 
plant a couple of trees because they did it to make sure they could pay for it to go to school, right? <laughs> That's how we used to do it. And somehow- and Honestly, not to, not to stray from the point, but even mm -hmm. that on a large farm, if you know on a permaculture, say you're gonna be on this acreage for a long time. Tree farming is actually a pretty viable industry. You have some mm -hmm. trees you can harvest in 10 years, within 15 years. You know, so if you have a child, you know, you have five trees. That's like college tuition right there. You understand what I mean? And these trees have high value. So you can plant accordingly. It also will help. And within that time, you also have something in play that, yeah, you know, you're going to cut it down, but it was for that. And you have a replacement or you have a system lined up to get that beneficial, you know, role and so forth. So you can really tap into, you know, yeah, man, no, it's exactly that. And that's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons that we're doing that regenerative farming and planting the trees along with the cash, the cash crop is because our farmers are getting older and, you know, that bending over back business because we don't have the nice, nice, sometimes I would say nice, nice, these flat lands on acreages. So we have a lot of hillsides to work on. And if you're trying to do this cash crop sometime on these hillsides, man, yeah. So it's important to be able to plant the, the do a combination planting so that you always have those available. And what I'm finding now is that most of the things are fruit trees and that kind of fruit bearing trees. And that's what people are looking for. There's just not enough um, that, you know, cause you know, over the years people hadn't been planting. And then every, you know, the other thing too is that for Jamaica, a lot of times we have a challenge with this because of the whole enslavement thing. Anything to do with farming is, you're, you're stupid or you know, you're not smart or you know that kind of way. So people are telling their kids, I don't want you to be a farmer. I want you to go out and be a doctor. I want you to go out and be whatever, whatever. And what I am finding too, is a lot of those children that were sent and said, no man, they now are turned around and they want to be on the farm. You know, and I'm saying that farming, we want really smart people, right? Sorry. <laughs> Well, I, I'm one of those, I can tell you. I mean, my, my mother is from Westmoreland. My father is from St. Elizabeth. And, you know, my mother, the Indian side of the family, known as the cool, you know, they came in indentured servants as whatever, but a lot of rice planting and sugar plantations and so forth. So that's the history. So I remember even when one of my first ass whoopings, like, we can curse on this anyway. <laughs> when already, well, you know, yeah, one of my first whoopings I got was when we were in Kingston and, you know, we, my dad rented, you know, we had rented a house and they had a little lawn, you know, like, and, they, you know, everybody's kind of prou proud about the lawn. You know how suburban areas mm -hmm. are? Everybody's yeah. kind of proud. So I think I was about maybe eight or nine. So I cut like maybe a four by four square out of the lawn and I planted some red peas in it. And, you know, I was like, pop it. Look at this man, you see my little piece, and boy, I got a whipping that was so for this. Look what you did to my lawn, and you know, looking back, you know, <clears throat> I always say that you know, if they had really looked at that, maybe send me to agriculture school That's or something like too. that, I would have probably, you know, created something, you know, you know, a disease resistant papa, I don't know, whatever. But I'm just saying, I can't really fight them either because they know that because of how the system is set. The farmer really gets the poor end of the stick all the time. So they would never want their child to be a farmer, if you understand what I mean. You know, and this is one thing I can say that the ganja industry on a whole is really bridging that gap mm -hmm. of getting the middleman out and closing. You see, because we are so communal focused and community-centered and the farmers' markets and all these 
you know, mom and pop shop that we try to. So the whole, I call it the ganja culture. So it's, it's beyond the race, it's beyond, you know, whatever. You find it's very, these things are very consistent when you travel. The communal spirit. Some people mm -hmm. you don't know, and you can show up on the doorstep and the treat you. Oh, yeah, man, and you get food and you get a little smoke, and you know, the, they're always mm -hmm. willing to share. Ganja is something, it comes with a sharing yeah. vibes about it, the vibration. Even when you get a good job, herb, you can't think about smoking it by yourself. You want to see how smiley need to taste this. He need this, <laughs> you know, and if I can give him a cut, some, yo, he needs this like now. You know, so it has that vibration that goes right across, you know, all elements. So we really kind of fold us it and really encourage it. And we look forward that the whole agricultural movement, which if that is what feeding, you know, that it will wave the banner for organic food and more. You know, we don't want things that have to be, you know, sourced from way across the globe. What is your communal offering that is going to give you the most potent mineral content on a cellular level that can get you energized and keep you going. And once you can get those focus going, yeah, man, it, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And you see the gap closing for the farmer can really now be proud of his product and really be not be the, you know, the, the poor guy that is suffering and cannot send his, his child to his medical bills piling up. And this is the man that is feeding the nation. And who is making the most money is the people that is doing the packaging. Because when you check it, I saw something ridiculous the other day. I couldn't even believe it. I really, I, I'm here to say these things without looking for the research. But it's like a truck transporting ramen noodles crashed. And the tax write-off, they were showing the bills. And it was something like $20. Yes. For a whole truckload of ramen noodles. You understand? And this is what they feed it. It's like cardboard so i'm just saying the cost of it and you know and a lot of these things that people are producing what are they getting paid for it and by the time it gets to the consumer it's not even healthy you can even see the herb that is planted by a farmer and by the time it gets to the dispensary the farmer is disgraced like no that is not my product i never give you that you know so you know it goes right across the board where we can you now start guarantee when you you give the ganja man thumbs up when you can say, yeah, you get your package and you get to smell it. And now if you can get that with your food and your relationships and your investments and, your, you know, who your children are hanging out with, if that can just be right, yo, it's just going to be a beautiful thing. And I, I don't know. And that's, what, and that's what we're heading for. And that's the age that we're moving into. It's moving into a, a collective cooperative age. It's, you know, the cycles, I mean, and that's one of the things that they've been really like downloading on me is that everything is a, a part of a cycle. We're not disconnected and separate. It's all part of a natural cycle that happens. And this next cycle is Age of Aquarius. Age of Aquarius is about working collectively and working. So it's 2,160 years of this age. And it's about us coming back into a, a, a natural order of things. So people are feeling it. They may not know what the heck's going on, but they definitely things are shifting up and what's, you know, they don't know what's going on, but that's what's going on. And so it's going to be a natural thing to want to move into a collective kind of consciousness in terms of working together with people. And what is your role in that piece? And knowing that you can't do it all, in Jamaica we say one hand can't clap. And it really is about that, is about that space. And so, you know, each person has a, a place in that. You don't, you don't get, 
you don't get to come on the planet without a plan, right? It's a design plan. So you come and how you come into the planet is just now, unfortunately, there are other people that kind of trying to co-op your plan and trying to mislead you with things. But if you if you sit still enough and ask the, ask the questions, you are going to be able to be led into a certain kind of consciousness. And this is what it is. It's, it's vibrating on that level. And that's, I think that's people are pushing and they're not sure what is going on. But if people, you know, like I like to give people that key to open that door to know that is what time it is. And if you know what time it is, you'll feel the alignment that happen even more easily and smoothly because that's what you came in to do is to come and do this work. And you still get everything you need as an individual person, right? Age of Pisces was all about the individual alone and just that. Now it's a different kind of age, but you can still be able to do your role, you know, have your peace, but you're still part of that pie, right? You have your peace, but you're still doing that work and you have people to support the work that you're doing that you want to do. So that is what time it is. And, and on top of it, it needs to be that because, you know, the planet is like enough of this foolishness. We need to start working back together and doing that. And I think that, you know, as you said, the herb has done that across. It really has brought a lot of all kinds of people together. It's all about that. <laughs> I see some of the tobacco is chewing. Yeah. So it's like just pulling it back together. So this is what, what time it is. So we just, you know, it's, it's what time. And, you know, <clears throat> I think Jamaica, bigger up Jamaica, Jamaica has a special role in all of that for this little, little island. We are really blessed to um, be able to do so much. I mean, obviously there's a lot of, um, you know, just amazing people have come out of it that has been talking truth to power, whether it's Garvey or Bob or any the people that are doing conscious lyrics and, right, Bob and Bob, <laughs> um, doing the, yeah, doing the work. And it, it's what we're supposed to do. And I really want, the entire world to understand that you know we're just one piece and if we in this little space gonna do this that everybody has a responsibility and we need to stop with foolishness and you know get on with it in terms of uh, responsibility that, that yeah. word responsibility i mean is respond with the ability that you have and i just said a lot of exactly. time the herb will let you feel guilty because you know you're not supposed to be doing this you know you're not supposed to be working here you know, this is not the right, you know, step in the relationship. You, it's like, you know, and you're forcing it, you know. So, <clears throat> really and move forward. Yeah, yeah, I have a personal question in terms of the herb, though. I don't see you you're consuming any. I don't know if you do edibles or, you know, I, I don't know if you're <laughs> willing to uh, to um confess on camera, but you can just I, not answer. I will confess. I will confess. I never really had this conversation. So no, you never had this conversation. In front I've of only, it's only, To be honest, <laughs> everybody is, everybody's going to laugh about this. I think I've only, I've only consumed twice. And people don't know this, that I'm actually, I'm actually a priest. I'm a Yoruba priest. And this one, when you become initiated, there's certain things you can and cannot do. I already have enough issues with altered states of consciousness. <laughs> You know what I mean? And so it's one of the things that is a is taboo for me to do. And I guess it's probably under definitely a ceremonial aspect. It probably yeah. plays a, a different yeah. role, you know. Right. And that's, that's exactly that's yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly yeah. it. No, so I, that's, I know people that you're, you're are outing me on you're outing me about that, but that's really what it is. 
And to be yeah. honest, there's also before even coming to that point, I actually, my family will tell you, I was the like you talk about against weed, me of all person. And I'll tell you the story. My father was a my father was a um a smuggler back in the 70s. Put in, I mean, we say we say he deals with logistics. He dealt with the Yeah, he was just yeah, exactly logistics. Way back in the 70s, he was putting on things on planes Our and planes. Uncle Tripp, Uncle Tripp, as we all know him in the community. Yeah, exactly. And he got locked up. And it kind of, because in those days, I mean, it really ruined a lot of families' lives. Um, and that was one of the things. I cannot blame weed for that for many years. And I was very much against it. So I ended up going to Philadelphia. Is this again? One second. Keisha, find my card and plug it in. I'm sorry, my, my, my thing is going low. Um, uh, I went to Philadelphia and I went to school. I actually took a, I took a class on, you know, um, drug in society or something like that at Temple University. And I, really, I did my research and I was like, what the heck? And I went back and I found out all the, why, you know, sorry, the, back, the, the cable for the power, sorry. Um, I found out really how it's been demonized you know how it's how the herb has been demonized demonized and um and my husband at my, my boyfriend at the time he used to smoke other other family friends around me used to smoke and everything and you know i was kind of like okay all right i understand why and it's funny because when the whole thing with the with in jamaica sorry about this guys i just want to talk up because i didn't have this problem Eagle has been known to kill a few batteries, and so you're gonna need to power cord when you get it. And I was like, I was the first person I said, Enough of this, and I called, you know, because it has ruined so many people's lives. And I see how, because of how they have organized it, and so many people's lives have been ruined over a, a, a medicine, one medicine you know, one plant and it's ridiculous. And so for me, it's a big, I'm a big advocate. And one of the things I'm a big advocate for in Jamaica right now is really foolish is because they're not addressing the issue with all the people that have been growing. And again, it's another control. It's another set of control, right? And so the way how they set it up is only, you know, very rich people can grow. So we are even trying to form right now uh, cooperative and we work on everything already you know the system to have a cooperative um growers group of farmers that can that will be able to not just farmers i mean people who have been doing this for years and actually know how to properly grow the crop and just doing it in a collective way so that is our next work to do so for me i mean i know my table i know what i can manage really for me, for me, what I can manage, but I'm the biggest advocate because of my experience of what my family went through and also what I know that the plant does. I know what that particular herb is good for, how it can, you know, how it's supposed to be used and the fact that it really is the healing of the nation. And I think that if more people could, you know, like when we were doing some of the advocacy work around um, going to bureau standards and trying to talk to them about certain things. And I realize that there are a number of people too that have taken a stance on that. And I think there needs to be a re-education of, of folks. When my husband got sick, I mean, he passed, he had, he had a brain tumor. And 
he was doing the Rick, if he had caught it earlier, would have done the Rick Simpson, and he, you know, used to make the oils and stuff. And that, that changed me because I saw they gave him, you know, three to, you know, three to four months to live. And I saw the work that we did with him on, on ganja. And he lasted, you know, over a year and a half. It's just that we just didn't catch it early enough and to be able to properly, you know, use the system. And no, I, I can tell you, me personally can tell you stories upon stories upon stories of people who come here and um, get access to proper, I mean, not just any herb, but get proper, proper medicines, proper herb and be able to make oils and they have Crohn's disease and have all kinds of stomach problems and have all kinds of issues and they'll be able to take to, to get the medicines and to be able to take it and they are improved. Nobody can tell me and tell me nothing about that. Me personally experience it for myself. And that's why I'm such an advocate for it. I may not be able to smoke and light up because I know so that then I have other issues that will come into play because I'm, you know, the other state of consciousness. I have that. I just have to sit still long enough and everybody start talking to me. So but don't um, worry about the smoking part. I mean, I, I, I have a few friends and I think I can take care of that part. So if you have okay. the land that you know growing and you're advocating towards the ganja and you're the medicinal offerings, I'll take care of the smoking part. Of okay, it. you take it. Well, yeah, man. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I go to CLA. I, I mean, I go to CLA and I, I'm reasoning with them about stuff. And I'm like, you guys can't, you know, on, on multiple levels. It's coming. Levels. I think it's really coming with all right with multiple systems, even across the big state California that was, I think, from 96, but they've been at it for a while. But it's probably really only the caregiver system that is really has been you know, really has been super successful. None of those big conglomerates that came in and planned to make bank really made bank. You know, mm -hmm. and it's been proven, you know, time that this is the way it's gonna grow until I guess once again federally legal and you know the Marlboros and all those red stripes and you know the Anheuser Bush, whatever, until those sides come in. But even then it still have so much of a craft pushed industry of our market that you know I don't as I said the cottage industry is something that it, it, it doesn't is, yeah it doesn't so, fit that puzzle. You know what I mean? So the next thing we're going to do is to, you know, we've been talking to the powers that be in a sense, but we want to, we're going to be doing a ganja farmer's market and incorporating it with our Ujima natural market. So we, we, yeah, that's the work for this 2021 is to do that. And so people will be able to access the things. So, you know, I'm working with the, um, for, with the, I know that there's some other people working on ITEL standards, but we're also working on some standards as well with the per, um, Jim and Joyce Riddle who worked on the NOP standards in the US. They are, we've had, you know, they come down at least, you know, once a year and do work. I just want to take standards. a breath right here, you know? So Smiley, you know, all the gang, Tanasi, <laughs> everybody that was planning to come down. I don't know if you miss it, but Ganja Farmer's Market. <laughs> I, I heard that, man. That was uh, yeah. All right. the sound of that. All right, keep yeah. going. Sorry. All right, go ahead. Yeah. We were supposed to do it from last year, but this whole COVID thing. But yeah, definitely. Um, that's what needs to, that's what we're, that's the work that we're working on right now. Um, and we had spoken to some of the people in, you know, in Kingston, you know, the powers that be, and they said, you know, obviously we can, we could go ahead. So now we're going to re-engage with last year, this last 2020, all the drama that will happen and not being able to gather. 
but we need to do that and kind of free up the thing. And it's, it's too important. You know, it's really too important. And to the medicines are, it's medicine and we need to let people have access to have access to it and understand how to utilize it and free it up. You know, it's about freeing it up because if you are allowed to do that with one plant, what other plant they're going to pick up and do that madness with? You know what I mean? And it's been, it's been too many years that that's been allowed to, to, to happen. So there's some work ahead of us and we're just trying to, you know, you know, create the medicines and the food for people to really be able to reach that next level that we need to reach as a, as a species and, you know, just take it from there. But everybody, you know, take, you know, as an individual thing, try to sort yourself out, try to get to know if it's this plant you want to know, know the plant, know who you're getting it from, who's a farmer that's growing it, make sure the person have love in them heart when they grow it. Um, you know, that's why you nothing said abuse, source. you don't abuse anything, just use it as you need to use it and, you know, come into the, the family of light. <laughs> as I said, the source, the source, the source. Really know the source, it's good to get your source and get everything right. I guess that sums it up, you know, so. Yeah. So I'm I I I thank you thank you for having the program and having. No, I wasn't space. really wrapping up. I mean. Well, I'm, I'm wrapping up because I I have to oh, yeah. I, have, I have to get actually to Kingston tomorrow and doing get some stuff done. But um, I'm just really I'm really thankful um for the work that you that you've done. I mean, you know that we got connected in this kind of divine way, and. The work has just begun. We have a lot of work to, ahead of us to do. And I, I really love working with you. And you have a great knowledge of, of the, the industry and the plants and not just herb, but everything in terms of just the whole thing. And I mean, I tell you, we, we took the students to you and it was like, nobody even had anything. We were just high off of the conversation. You know what I mean? Just the knowledge and the wisdom and the, the reasoning and that is what it's all about. It brings that energy together. And we, I mean, for days, everybody's still vibing off of that. And you bring anybody, I had a conversation from any people from that class about coming to your farm and um, having those reasons with you. It's, you know, it, that was the highlight. And I really love the work that you're doing and continue to do it and come, continue to make us very proud. So we're very proud, <laughs> proud that you're doing the work and um, gaining the knowledge and also always open to sharing that information because that's the thing people might have it but everybody if, if you do you know one thing about things if you have it and you do this with it nobody else can put anything else in your hand or give you anything because you already done this and while I see you operate you're very open with the information you're open with the sharing and so is that give and take that happens and with that is a flow and with that is his love you know so I'm just always very very thankful and I just say continue to do the good work and, you know, just do it. We need it. The planet needs it. So. I, I tell you the same thing, man. You have been a real influence. I just say we'll make kind of just by a quick, almost like a, a traffic light kind of vibes, you know. And right. Anytime, anywhere, you know, just because of the work you're doing. And it's similar to Smiley as well. I mean, I got a small opportunity to have a friend in Michigan that was, I guess, tackling a bigger project than and he just wanted some, you know, help. Just say, yo, look at it and tell me if it even makes sense, you know. And, you know, I reached out and I think it was Joshua Steele and I think I saw him in chat earlier. And, you know, 
he just reached out, he did something for me. I don't, I didn't even understand Instagram that much that time. It was a can of crack and some people were trying to influence me. They got me some high genetic stuff and were trying to influence me. Yo, you need to get involved, man. And I'm like, I don't know. And yo, he reached back out to me and I understand right now I'm super comfortable even, you know. So anytime, anywhere, this is just, as I said, it's a culture. The culture is a thing that surpasses and you don't have to be a part taker. So some people think that you have to consume it, but it's a mental state of comfort that we all have kind of highlighted amongst ourselves that we understand everybody is a little bit, you know, we understand that, but we celebrate our diversity. Mm. You know, it's something that, you know, there are some basic functionalities. And then if we can move towards a progressive, you know, form of pleasantness, then that's what we should be doing, mm-hmm. you know. So, so as I said, really give thanks again for your work. I'm smiling. Sorry to kind of co-host this show, but, you know. No, ahead. I was just going to say the same thing. Very blessed to have you come on. I really appreciate the message you shared and uh, the work that you're doing down there sounds amazing. And I, I hope it inspires somebody in, in chat or somebody listening to add a plant to their yard i don't know yeah that's add something new yeah man and even bigger and better if you were thinking of maybe doing a course or if you had somebody that has a property that thinking of doing something like that your family want to get something like that because why you see people moving towards communal security and herb security it's because they feel insecure and this is a general feeling right across yeah, so you, you want that level of comfort, that security. And if you have to come home to the battlefield, then that's a horrible situation to be in. So you need even your home base to be secured first. So your mental space is good, everything. And then it kind of goes out to your community and then the world at large and the universe. You know, so yeah, if anybody reach out, don't be afraid. I think it's the source from Eco yeah. Village. Yeah, so it's www.thesourcefarm.com is our is our is where we are and the website and there's you know phone numbers and stuff you know there's handles of instagram and there's facebook and stuff and you know um yeah so we're here and yeah, we are the source out. yeah reach and out so if spirit moves you to do whatever in terms of you know i'll let you know when we start to decide about the next year's offerings in terms of the course I'll let it come back and let you know when we're going to do that. And if people are interested, because this will reach all kinds of different people. And people are just led to come here for different reasons. You know, we've, we've, there's so many, you know, people come and they think they're doing certain things and then they end up realizing and getting them back on their path or cleaning them up or, you know, all kinds of different things people come end up coming here. And we're just very thankful that we have the opportunity to be in that space and do that work and do that healing work as well. And so, yeah, we're here. You know, we're just doing it. <laughs> so thank you so much. No, thank you. Okay. Then, yeah, we'll just let you pop out. We're going to keep talking probably. All right. No problem. All right. Night, night. All right. Have a good one. All right. Man, Bob, she's awesome, man. That's uh, that was a great guest that you, uh, I honestly, I had no idea who you had coming on i did get on and check it out a little bit but man what an awesome message and uh, really cool man appreciate that and i mean <clears throat> i guess not really to take over but i you know kind of comfortable with it and i guess i just don't like talking so much i'm really not that person believe it or not you know i'm not really you know what with certain environments or certain community 
as you say, you know, if you feel led to do it, 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 it it's a level of comfort. You know, I think what she was offering, and I really, as I say, it's always been embedded in me that balance. You know, there's a lot of females in the industry that are really doing it. And growing up, it was a female industry. I mean, the best herb was always the lady farmer, you know, and your auntie or something like that, you know, your aunt, you know, so. You know, I've always looked to someone, not really highlight, but it's just been a natural affinity that these progressive movements, you know, you, you understand what I mean? I don't know recently how it became crazy male dominated, if you understand what I mean. And maybe the ladies just like to be in the back, they don't mind just putting in the work because it was really a cash crop, if you understand what I mean. So you have kids to send to school, you have stuff to do. You know, that if you put in a quarter acre of ganja, once it comes in, you can at least send them to school guaranteed. You know, the plantings, the bananas, the tomatoes, the other things that you might sell. Yes, it will pay, but it's not super guaranteed. You know, the value that you put in to get in the ganja. So the women that did it really put it in just to really make ends meet. And by that, they preserved a lot of genetics because they figured out which one they didn't have to hustle with, which one was the least resistant, which one works best in their environment. So they did all these things naturally. They figured out what the cow manure was best when they mix it with the, the ashes and you know, you know, the potash mixes and you know, these are things like that. That, you know. I don't really No you know, man, I, I, I honestly the I thought it was beautiful because uh, you know, as far as like when we look at doing a soil food web or a whole food web. You know, we get all geeked out as organic farmers on what inputs we're putting in in this little ecosystem. And, and the beautiful part I thought about the permaculture side of it is it's kind of like it's kind of like taking a step back and like almost like looking at everything in even a bigger scope than what you thought of. So like, you know, so I guess for me and kind of the takeaway you know, trying to relate it to somebody that's indoor gardening in a pot is, you know, my big takeaway from a lot of that is diversity is is kind of the key to success in, in all areas. So like as I'm looking at, well, I want to have a really diverse bacterial and fungal colony and all these different things going on, but I also need you know, diverse cover crops and in different root systems and different plants putting their roots and, and working and growing those different biologies to create multiple different little ecosystems that all work together as one big ecosystem that can kind of, so it just kind of keeps expanding it out, you know, and she right. further like diverse people and diverse countries and, you know, that's cool. And you see specifically on the indoor side, a lot of people, shy away from permaculture thinking just because oh that doesn't apply to me i'm not outside but it's it's really encompasses everything so your whole space the airflow so you have your washing machine and your dryer over that side on the back wall that's probably going to be the warmest part of your room why not put your cloning area that you're going to need some humidity in your basement you know so you can think about it that way. If you're going to have to put in a cooling system, let me put a cooling system over there. Since that's going to be naturally the warmest part of my room anyway. Let me put everything over there. Put my warming system there. Where am I going to walk? Where's the water going to flow? If I should have a leak, what's the best way to clean it up when the whole place gets flooded? So you kind of think about all those things 
before, you know, so okay, it leans this way. This is yeah, that's what I mean. This is where my panel box is. Okay, in case of a fire, what's gonna be the quickest thing? Or you know, what's the access points? Where's you know, so these are things that you think about right through. And once you put in the system, it should be go through. You shouldn't be having a lot of and then as I said, you cover crops and all these things. But look at the space around you. A lot of time you're wasting of space. They call it moda. So you actually have people that get paid just to go into an organization and figure out how you're wasting space, how you're wasting time. So, you know, say you're running, say, a 50-acre property and your employees, they use a tool, maybe like twice for the day, but the tool shed is at the top. So it takes an average maybe seven minutes, but you have 15 employees doing that. So right there, you break it down into hours. Right now, you're losing 150 man hours. Why? If you put a bucket of just those tools that they use specifically every day at certain points of the field, then that walking back and forth will be taught to implement a two-belt system where they have a two-belt on them. So something like that. Now you're taking away 15, seven minutes twice per day into a more workflow. You see how that kind of adds up. So, you know, you have some simple ways that this whole permaculture and regenerative structure really implements right down even into the morals of how you treat your employees and everything like that the ethics of how you write your contracts and things like that you know it really goes way beyond so somebody does a breeding for you that created a genetics for your company i mean it should go as far down as everything that goes over the counter even if this person leaves your in, in, in place of establishment your place you know Something like a royalty maybe come down to him. So it, it goes that deep. Now imagine that strain that that man is really going to put in. Because he's going to want something that's going to go statewide, international, and going to give a longevity. He's not going to want something that comes up now and then disappears after the next three months. You know, he's going to really put some time and research into... You get what I'm saying? <clears throat> so these are things that the whole permaculture and the regenerative focus. And I hear a lot of people in the chat, uh, I hear one, saw one and two talking about the ITAL standards where the Rasta is concerned. And honestly, I, to make it, to sum it up, this is, just think of cooking something. You have a standard way of cooking it and the Rasta is just a vibrational spice that incorporates that permaculture and regenerative structure together. So we have an understanding of how we tackle work. So for example, in the morning time, when you normally have your power session with your workers, your team workers, and say, okay, you're gonna do this, and these are the tasks at hand, the plants are going, and this is how you do it. You know, you have your power session normally with your team before you'll send them out. We might do it with a chanting. So we'll beat our drums. We set ourselves in that right mental state so all of us are in that same rhythm, that same vibration. And we chant a few words, maybe read, you know, certain scriptures, certain words of encouragement. And then we go into the daily tasks. So, you know, as I said, it kind of has a rhythm that is uh, mysterious and it's kind of hard, but it's really an experiential product you know, to provide. So even when I speak and I talk to people about ganja, I really like to speak about the experience. So it's not so much to me about the looks. Yes, I understand looks. I understand bag appeal. But it's really about the experience. Once you can hit that experience of pleasantness with that patient or with that person every single time, 
that is what that is what you, you can be give yourself a thumbs up and know that your job is done don't be like oh but it was organic and it was pretty and it was full of trichomes if they said they really didn't like it then your job wasn't you understand it wasn't done you give them the pleasant experience and it might be the one that you thought was the worst plant it was the ugliest one but that is the one that they like because it gave them that experience and that is what you should be aiming to providing all your essence you know pleasant experience you know yeah absolutely absolutely that's um so do you do any gardening in pots i mean are you indoor or do any of well that? if i have to call it's because i i move around quite a little bit sometimes I, I really am looking for a space myself. Whenever I do find a space like a nice garden or a farm, then I don't have to go anywhere. You know where to find me, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah, man. I plant down and really get in. But until then, yeah, man, I do definitely some things in pots. Even the other day, I was just passing by my brother's house. So I helped set up a little greenhouse in the backyard of my brother's house and have one by my uncle. And, you know, everybody in the family, I'm trying to kind of... <laughs> Get involved, so I have access to several gardens if you want to say, you know. Like and definitely, it's really it's a joy to see how everybody is taking it on. But um, I think for organic farmers, especially pot size, is something you really have to bear in mind. So if you if you're gonna have a permanent space, so if you have a a flowering space that you have determined, it is try to make your pots as big as you can. I won't even try to put a limit on it. Just whatever you can comfortably fit in your space. Yeah, you know, if you're really doing it organics. Because just the whole cycling of nutrients and allowing the root mass to really get out. If you put it in a one-gallon organic, you, you might be a bit disappointed in your yield, if you understand what I mean. Even if you're giving it the best of the best. I mean, maybe if you constantly, you know, give it your bubbling teas and your, your supplemental foliars and you really do some additional stuff, you know you can tweak it but i'm talking for general growers here just novice you know general growers i would just definitely say once you can get your pot size as big as you can in veggies maybe not that really bad you know just cramp them a bit but once you get into flour and really try to make your pot size as big as you can and really encourage that you know high nutrient availability and then the high microbial activity in a, in a quick summary you know but yeah. just make it as big as you can. Yep, I like that too. And, uh, you know, you pointed out how like permaculture plays a role in looking at the space and, and where you're going to lay things out. And I kind of look at that where, like when I was looking at building the soil media, like how, you know, how that thing is structured and put together is going to matter too as to how it's going to hold moisture, how it's going to, flow moisture how you know what i mean so there's a lot of thought that kind of goes into like building that pot too um that's that's where i kind of started with a lot of the organic what the organic takeover was with Leighton because i figured you know starting at soil structure was going to be the, the for me that was kind of the biggest light bulb moment and josh rutherford talked on um the dutch blooms talked on it last night too about like you know, if you're going to do a compost and you're trying to do it properly, you're trying to control temperature and moisture level, and it creates the right environment for the biology you want. And then 
that was the thought I applied to the soil too, was like, you know, how is that soil gonna, that structure and the watering gonna create the environment that you really want? And that's really kind of the eye-opening thing for me along the way, whole way was, is like having the proper biology takes place as, you know what I mean? As you get proper structure in the soil, the proper biology kind of happens along with that. It's not a, it's all in unison, you know, everything's kind of working together and in unison. And if your soil isn't right, then there's going to be biology there trying to make the soil right, you know? So that's where, yeah, I thought it was kind of, I'm, I'm getting buzzed. So I'm rambling, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully you're chopping one up, man. Yeah, I'm, I just got empty. I went through it. It's only a half hour, so I'm trying to get that off. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, but this one's a bit strong right now because of the rains. As she mentioned, Jamaica went through a whole lot of rain, like a bad rainy season, like two weeks straight, then some sun, then like a one week straight, then, you know, four days straight, then, you know, so it's really bad. And it was all when everybody's coming in. Everybody wants to come in for the Christmas, you know? Yeah. So you talk about, I would say maybe 60, 70% all outdoor really damage, you know, across the island because all outdoor, maybe even more, I'm trying to be probably generous, you know? So... So are you guys, what what time of season or what season are you guys in, I guess, down there? Is that like summer, spring, fall? Um, I would say winter, I guess. No, no. Winter. You guys, it don't really change, does it? It's always the... Yeah, we just call it the short day or the long day. So what you find like now, the sun might go in from maybe like 6.30, you know, 6 o'clock. It might start getting a bit dark. You know, when usually it'd be like maybe just an hour, hour difference. So it's not totally off but it just puts our plants into a 12-12 cycle easier so that's why we call it the short day because no matter what plants once you plant them anytime like after september october they're gonna be fairly short you know so our long day starts in the earlier part of the year so you have three major seasons but most growers like myself are pretty much plant once a month at least i put out seeds right now i just Set up a speed, like it's gotta be dang nice, man. Once a month, you can possibly. <laughs> I love that. Yo, know, I have an orange gasm here that I got gifted. Yeah, and I've been driving over Kingston with it and all over for like the past, like it wasn't popping, so I had it in the car and I didn't want the dogs to throw it over. So, yeah, so it's just been hanging out with me for, for like a couple of weeks. I think it's finally settled down a bit and kind of working its way in, you know. So, nice. Yeah. So what classes are you teaching at the the source farm? Um, well it's, it's pretty much anything they ask, but it's really what they do there. She kind of takes on the permaculture part and she has a lot of instructors there and tutors. So I know they have like a whole mushroom course that they do as well. And but the base of it is a permaculture design and permaculture principles and understanding. So you do that for maybe like three weeks. First, so it's a little bit of theory, and then I think I've seen like our students get like a little bed for themselves, and they get to like half of the bed is already developed, and the other half they have to kind of start it based on what they have learned. And you know, by the end of it, they get to do it. And then where I come in is that um, I have a very good friend of mine, Satai, he's really good in terms of the instruction, putting together the manuals and 
you know, working with the regulations and the policies and stuff like that. He's really good where that's concerned. So he really assisted a lot where that's concerned and most of the teachings. So it's really just applying now the basic ganja life cycle to the permaculture knowledge you've just learned. So you have learned to go on organically, you've learned about the environment and your composting and you know your water retention and your carbon banking and you know different things like that and how to get your microbes active. Now we're just gonna teach you how what ganja is and only because it's a special plant. So a similar course like that we would do. We also do some permaculture and then we do what they call specialty plants. So they might do like a one day orchid, then the second day and certain succulents and certain different type of plants, and then maybe a three day and ganja. So certain high value crops, we try to highlight them. You know, there are certain berries, there are certain peppers of how to breed them, how, you know, how to, you know, get them more affinity to our climate and acclimatize a certain high value crops, but they put the base of it in that permaculture course. So for the first, you know, three, four weeks, you do like a permaculture boot camp and then the additional, you know, my, so that is where I really would get involved. So a lot of times Sata takes them through the plant life cycle, you know, cloning male versus female, identifying hermaphrodites. You know, some of them are surprised. Wow, cannabis is male and female and hermaphrodite. So it's really eye opening to a lot of individuals, you know, and then the latter part now when, especially when they're about to graduate the class, that's when I kind of go in and do a evaluation prior, I try to do one. So they do a pre-presentation like a dry run and they develop a concept or a module of how they can apply it to their life. So if they plan to go back to do a farm or if they plan to go back to do a dispensary or just to do a garden at home, whatever it is, they just apply what they have learned and how they would upgrade it or, you know, set it. So basically try to go in a day before the exam, give them some pointers. And then of the day of the exam, I'm, you know, sitting as an examiner or, you know, if I'm asked to, you know, run an evaluation, basically, I just give a little pointers here and there. Yeah. And that's really it. And then I try to tack on like a, a tour of a cannabis farm itself. So I bring them up to one of our sacramental growth spaces or maybe a legal cannabis farm that we have association with that will allow it at the time because some of them, Depending at the time, they might not want visitors. Some of them will allow it, you know, so depending if we time it right. So that's where you hear she talk about the tour to the farm. So it was really good now that you've got to learn about Banja. Now you can see it going at full scale, full operation. You know, it kind of brings, brings it all home, you know. So that's the space I can kind of work, you know, easier for me to work, you know. So, yeah, that's really where it is. So anything along the way, of course, I do assist but that's really where i have been helpful so far i like it i'm getting baked over here man this stuff's pretty good <laughs> yeah that's yeah it's the same thing i'm saying i don't know if it's christmas or what but there's just some things that's coming in that man everything is knocking like everything i can't complain like you know, I know people are complaining the drought in Jamaica and sorry for any Jamaicans that's out there, but I don't know, I have a family support so structure that has really been keeping me nice, like really nice, you know, so. That's awesome, man. Give um, thanks. 
how do you how do you apply some of that stuff when you're because i know you do like you mentioned a cannabis field and stuff how do you do you apply any of the permaculture yeah uh, man it, it's a part you? of you so you have to so even at a commercial scale instantly you try to cut out all waste one of my biggest pet peeves is trellis like i totally understand it but the carbon footprint of the plastic and it's not reusable and it's so much of it you know but you know so certain things you try to you have to do with it and certain things you definitely try to mitigate it you know your water wastage you know and then definitely implementing some nice cover crops so you never have to till the soil again getting them to really understand that you can and especially at scale it's probably beneficial to do a no-till system or a big raised bed kind of system instead of running 100 gallon bags which is not a problem because if you're in a flood prone area then you get what i'm saying that part of the field yeah let's put some 100 gallon bags out there but for the rest of the field that's normally all right let's set up a nice because once you can have all that activity happening the 5g is fully connected it's not retained to a 100 gallon bag so it's like your wi-fi system is only contained now to this this is what you can be assured of and you're not really totally assured but once it's out there and you have that going then the plants can really be in communication and receive and get what they want within an organic structure you know so that whole like uh soil inner communication and food web is like you guys are looking at that across the whole farm basically is what you're saying you're trying yeah man, yeah, man. so tractors are not allowed you know okay. yeah it's all compaction after a while you really try to so if you have to do it you do it early you try to do it one time and try never do it again you understand so you really do everything in mind you don't want to call him back in next year or call him back in in three months no if you really have to do it yeah because we understand at a commercial scale you have to move with you know the investors time and money and certain things so that is really how you kind of mitigate it you know and you show them the long you see once you can show them the cost savings especially if they're in it for the long haul oh they like saving believe me oh so i'm going to be just as profitable with spending less money in three years i'm all for that bob you know yeah so it's look at things like that you can invest in a mini worm farm help somebody to set up some bins and if we can really get some good castings Believe me, there's nothing else you're going to need. You know, let's, we can now consider fertilizer bill off and let's focus now on how we're going to get down our pesticide. Because in general agriculture, 60% or so, you know, is really a lot of the inputs. You know, the fertilizer costs, you know, a lot of these things. So if you can pick any one of those columns. So once you go into any farm and you look at their accounts and you look at the high, what they're spending the most and you can see where that spend is and once you can get that down and then still producing quality if not better or you know in terms of volume then you know you're in business and that's really what it is you know so a hundred percent i cannot stop it and anybody who i'm associated with if they're not really along that path i don't involve myself not to say that i'm cocky or i'm really but I just don't want to be represented that way personally and I don't want to be a part of certain things, you know, even for myself, you know, so anybody that I'm really assisting, if you're not going to be of that mindset or moving towards that mindset, then 
And that's why I really have to give my hats off to those ones that have really met in Michigan, you know, even though they've been doing a lot of battles and doing this, once you really show them that it can be done, they're at least willing to give it a try, you know, and then they're willing to invest full on once they see it can be done and to educate yourself and educate, you know, the people around you in the community because now you have to be influencing even the farmers beside you. Not to be spraying pesticides or at least tell us when you'll be spraying so we can try to whatever we can do to mitigate it. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, Run some kaigen water, some I don't know, some protective sealant, you know, whatever it is. But but if you can also show your neighbors that even though you're planting corn, even though you're planting blueberries, even though you're planting, you know, you can use the worm casting. There are certain things that we have found very beneficial. You have a problem with caterpillars. Yeah, you have some BT that can be used and you can pick the blueberries within a couple of days. It doesn't matter. You know, so you have certain things that, yeah, man, and they're really glad to know about it, you know. So it's just like that. It's a ripple effect that's moving along and I really like the whole organic movement that's moving along, you know. And to be any, a part of it is great. Yeah, I know. I absolutely love the, just the whole expansion of, um, the whole consciousness, like it's like becoming infectious, really. You know, I just see more and more people that are just drawn to the uniqueness of it, the ability to be really, truly, you know, unique with with how you grow and how you, you know, your herb ends up. You know, that's that's what drew me to it. A lot of it. Yeah. There you go. Nice farmer cut. Straight off there. Is that how you store them in the jar, Bob? You like them with the leaf pretty heavy on them like that? Yeah, I just can't trim it fast enough, you know. True that. Never. And this was some that I had left growing while I was traveling, and my son took care of it. He's like 13, and the other one is nine. Nice. Yeah. So they cured it down real good, you know. I mean, it cured on real nice, like real nice. Uh, see, you see all the leaves fall down and it's so you know they got the hang on it real good. Yeah. Come on, come on. I mean, I can't complain. Yeah, even with the leaves on it, and you smell it now, it's like lemon masala. You know, masala, that spice name masala. It's almost like curry, but okay. Yeah. Oh. It's like lemon le lemon rinds and masala. Uh, more like lime. Lime. More like lime rinds and masala, you know? Hmm. That's cool. So they're all into it, man. I dig that, too. Well, put it this way. It's right beside the pepper tree and the pumpkin and, you know, the tomato. So it's not really any different. If the pepper tree needs to be harvested or the pepper tree falls down, they have to take care of it. I was telling a story, and I don't remember which one of the shows, but <clears throat> one of the trees had a big sativa tree that grew up. And apparently where I had planted it, and it grew on the side of the, the mound. So I have like a, a raised bed, and it grew like right on the side. So when the rain fell and it got heavy, it like fell right down on the ground. And my son was trying to put it up. So he tried to prop it up, and then it would fall back down. And he said he tried to tie it, to, you know, and it just wasn't working out. He's like, it's too heavy, Papa, because it, it was maybe like, three, four weeks into flower, you know? Yeah. So anyway, after a couple of days on the ground, he noticed all the, because it was down like this now, so all the limbs start springing up. 
So he's like, Papa, I think I found a new way to grow ganja. <laughs> you can just tie them down and then all of them will grow up like this. So you end up with a big bush, you know, yeah. instead of one pineapple, one, one Christmas tree. And I was like, I think it's kind of been figured. I didn't want to burst this bubble, yeah, you know. But as I, yeah, keep using the intuition. And, you know, these are the things that, you know, comes along. You know, the turmeric is coming up now and the turmeric blew a nice blossom, you know. And I was like, hmm, I've never, re- I didn't know that turmeric blossom. You know, so I've, I've even reaped turmeric before and I've really never noticed the blossom, honestly. I just see the leaves drying down and I just kind of dig it and I see turmeric and I pick it. So I call up somebody and they were like, yeah, that's how you know when it's ready. As soon as the blossom dries down, then you can harvest. I was like, who knew? You know, so it's things like that. You know, so yeah, man, I encourage everyone, use your intuition. So even with organic farming, your nose knows. So just like how we smell our herb, you're going to know what a good soil smells like. You need to know what a good compost smells like. You need to know, you understand, you will get to understand and appreciate these things eventually after a while when some things, I can't explain it certain, you know, maybe I can, if we have a conversation, what are you smelling? And, you know, maybe we can, is it peanutty? Is it more this? Okay, that's all right. Oh, that's mineraly. Okay. If it's kind of smelling off, you know, you know, you can kind of, you know, ammonia-like or bleachy or whatever, then you can answer, no, don't put that on your plants. You get what I'm saying? So. These are the things within the organic farm that you really have to pay attention and the experience is where it's at, you know. So don't worry if the plant is not nugget and it's not this, but if the plant is praying and the plant is healthy, that's a healthy expression of a plant. You have to accept it for what it is, you know. I like that theory. How do you, uh, how do you go about plant nutrition then? Me personally, you know, once I build the soil good, so I do like a kind of mixed system depending where I'm at. But right now, at this yard, I've incorporated like some mini hugel bed mound kind of system, you know, so it's not really hugel culture. So I use like maybe, all right, so like instead of putting big logs in, I put a lot of twigs, heavy a lot of twigs, and then mostly run them through the wood chipper. And then the leaves and so forth run the lawnmower over the leaves so they are very fine, you know. And then I still put compost in it that I had stacked up. So a lot of fruits and stuff in there. And then what I did now is just put by the topsoil on top of that. So I know I could get even one crop from the topsoil and by the time the underneath start picking up, I'll be all right. You know, so really once I set it, then it's, yeah, that's really what I do. But during, in between, yeah, a little worm casting drench every once in a while. That's about it. You know, if I can get, like, I don't like to see my soil. I like, I call it naked. I don't like to see my soil naked. So it has to be covered up. So if my cover crop is not on point, I might just, you know, run some dry leaves through the lawnmower again and just cover it, just to cover the soil, just to keep it covered. You know, if I can put some wood chips in it and mix it in just to keep it covered. So it just kind of depends what's going on. So I just have certain parameters that I just don't let go out of bounds, but pretty much I kind of let it just kind of, you know, kind of let it do its thing, you know? Yeah. I like that. Do you, do you lay the leaves of the plant down then right on the 
right on the flat soil or the pot? Sometimes it depends with what time. So like if I have a lot of insect pressure, probably not. I'll just pick them off and put them in the compost bin. You know, if it's a rainy time, then I'm not too, too worried about it because shit's just going to hit the fan anyway, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what you're going to do? You just follow up. After the rain, I don't know, rain's going to ease up. That's what I'm saying. Once I know that is a parameter that if I get too much rain, I make sure I have some lactobacillus or something that I would not normally use. That's when I kind of draw for something like that or maybe, you know, some peroxide or some, you know, hydrogen, you know, something like that to kind of, up it or maybe I just save some rainwater and then baking so you know depending what I have where I am you kind of use what you use so you have certain parameters that are kind of apply the knowledge you know what I mean <laughs> yeah no doubt, no doubt man. so I'm not a stickler on KNF I'm not a stickler but I tell everybody understand it even you know it can't hurt yeah you know and it can work. I know it works, but if you're doing a full system and you're really planning to do a full recipe system, like when I run a home garden, that's completely different, you know. But if you're doing a business, then definitely you're gonna have to have something because remember, you're not gonna be the one doing it. You can't set up a business that if you are not there, it goes to shit. You really have to have a business where somebody or whoever is working has parameters and they know what to do and can read, understand, and follow have a nice recipe that they can follow every single time. And once you can have that implemented, then you're good to go. So you can't really trust people. You have to trust the system and make sure the system that you implement is a workable system that can bring you to market. And once you have the, yes, it's going to be tweaking along the way. That's why you hear me say parameters. I really don't like to use SOPs as much. But you really have parameters that, you know, once it goes over that, this is what needs to be done. Once it goes under that, this is what needs to be done. And you kind of generally, you know, have it right. But yeah, if you don't have that in place, it doesn't make sense. You can't be running a business like that, you know. You really have to have a business running off of a system. I like how little, uh, little you mentioned any kind of... Uh nitrogen or any of that it was not as compost and as far as nutrition and all that because that's one thing like i don't i mean starting down the organics road it was like yeah you come you know i came from where uh, nectar for the gods which is a line but there's like 11 bottles i think if you run the complete line i mean it's a pretty in-depth you know system i guess or whatever but the more i realized about that it was like Okay, so now I'm going to try to put all that amount of fertilizer in, in the pot to begin with. And then you, your mind starts thinking cups and, and you should be thinking teaspoons, you know. And that's been my whole learning curve, too, is just like dialing everything like less. You know, less is more. Everybody's always said that. I've heard it a million times myself, but it's like even to this day, I'm still I'm dialing back less water. You know, I'm dialing back. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is that we get this feeling that we have to be doing something. Yeah. No, you know, you really shouldn't. You really just have to have confidence and let the system work. And as I said, you have the parameters. You know what this plant looks like when it's droopy or when it's this or when it's that. But once you understand these parameters and you don't push it, you know, 
That is great. Now, what I think is great in terms of stepping up your expertise as a grower is that once you have mastered that system now, that you understand what's going on, then you kind of understand the parameters to push. You know, okay, maybe I can supplement a little foliar here. All right, I can start dropping my humidity during this week. And you understand what I mean? Then you can start tweaking it, but don't start with that. one. And I think that is how the bottles kind of have you trained. Okay, it gives you that science kind of laboratory kind of important feeling where want to take a step back and be the bushman it really works after a while you know so i will never say that it doesn't have its place but definitely you know taking a step back as you're saying and doing less is a big training or a learning curve that you have to take on i just know if i'm up front yeah. what you're gonna have to do you know yeah and trust in the system is uh that's like the the hardest part of all you know, because like you say, you always feel like you got to be doing something because if you're bottle feeding or whatever fertilizer regimen you're running, it's like, you know, feed, feed water is your kind of your mantra, right? Like feed, feed water, or whatever you're doing, water, water, feed, any of that. It's all kind of in your head, you know? So like, I think when you first make a transition over organics, that's like the big eraser that you need to get out of your head too a little bit is that every third day you're supposed to be doing some shit to the plant like it needs you to grow right like it doesn't need you <laughs> they've been doing this for years you know yeah yeah i dig it man. yeah man yeah man just like that my brother i mean even this small garden that i've here i mean as i said i left the seeds when they were like two weeks into flowering and some of them are younger. Some of them I just transplanted them because I'm flying out the next morning, you know? And my sons, they just call me, yo, what do I do? And I was like, nothing. Do I spray anything? No. Okay. And after a while, I didn't hear from them till like the rain started falling and shit hitting the fan, you know? I'd get a couple of messages. Papa, I found a male, you know, I cut him out. I found one that looks like a hermaphrodite, you know? Here's his picture, but I cut him out already. So I just send a message. Why are you send me the picture? Because if you already cut him out, it's like, you know, it's already gone, you know. But I trust you, you know. You said you're doing it. But what I'm turning, talking about is in terms of nutrition or putting anything in there, going to mix up anything. They had none of that. None of that. All they had to do was just, they weren't sure when to harvest. You know, some, you know, regular questions like that. And those should be the kind of things that you want to focus on. You know, you don't really want to have to be worrying about, you know, other stuff. I mean, think about it. When people used to gorilla farm, you go out in the bush, you dig your hole, you put your mix in there or whatever, you put your clone in, and you just kind of leave it. Maybe you come back two, three weeks after, or four weeks, you take out your male plants, stuff like that. And then you leave it again till harvest. You understand what I mean? You weren't trying to get caught. So not to say you can get that super careless within your grow, but yes, definitely apply some of those principles. Treat it like a gorilla farm. Put your farming mix together. Put your set stuff together. Set it properly. Water it and leave it. You know, check up on it when you need to check up on it and that's it. You know, and get yourself a hobby, man. You know what I mean? You have some communal aspects that you really need to get involved in. You know, some things that's going on that I think that's very important. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, I just had a question too. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still not. Thanks, man. Uh, I I don't know if you had any other direction to go with it. Um, with a, no. how we can apply it to somebody that's doing it indoor. Otherwise, um, that's it. You freeze up. Oh. What's that? That's a backer. internet going in and out. What's that? Oh, I think he is going in now. Uh oh. Touchbacks. Yeah, I'm on. That's tobacco. Is that what you're holding up? Yeah, yeah. Do you grow that in your yard too? Well, my family, you know, not me directly. I have some of them that go in the yard, yes. But mine are not ready as yet. Like on a whole now, what is your style of going? What would be your considered your style? Mine is uh, soil food web, I guess. It's kind of the style that I've been going for. But yeah, um, mixed like a, uh, a modified boots mix, I guess is what I call it, or a Cornell mix. But What's, what's been the proudest thing you're growing since there? What's like your bragging rights since you've been growing? Like, what can you say? Yo, Bob, you see this? This was my winner. Like, you don't Wait, got man, you come to Michigan, I'll have, a, I'll have a rainbow menu for you. You can try it. Yeah. All right. But yeah, All right. right now, probably um, platinum cakes, probably my pretty ones. Well, I just say overall, like, what's one of those that you can say, yeah, I knew I'm not that one out of the park. Like, that one was, yeah. Yeah, raspberries, I know, right now is one that's knocked out of the park. That's been for a long time. Yeah, man, I find that with some straight. I find, I call it the, you know, like a dog that you don't really like, but you already took care of it for so long. Like somebody told you, like, yeah, this is a mastiff, whatever, whatever. And you raise it, and when it grew, you're like, nah, this is like a fucking Australian mutt or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you already raised a dog, it took, and it really, it works good with you, it became, so I just find that some strains, they really just look good with you, if you understand what I mean, like in terms of the no expectation mark, you know, like they really resonated and whether with your garden or with your experience, you know, I like those ones that I can say, man, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, so I got a range of them that I would call from difficult to grow to easy to grow. Like that raspberries I mentioned kind of falls in that easy to grow. It's really easy to clone. It's always happy. It's always praying. You know, even when other ones around it are sad, it's it's always just like, what else? You know, so that one kind of, I guess that's maybe a little bit more where I'm fond of it too, you know. Fuck yeah, man. You like the we like the kids that don't give us any trouble. They go to school, they do their homework, they stay on the honor roll, they yeah. don't get into trouble. They, yeah, yeah, we love we love nice, perfect for the structure, you know. It's like yeah. So. Yeah man, love, love them. When does it start getting warm again in Michigan? Oh shoot, probably we're just getting into the winter now, so <laughs> exactly. like it kind of pushed back 
to. I mean, for, we don't. I don't have any snow by me. I mean, I know Eagle struggled, but I don't. So I'm quite a bit south in the Grand Rapids area. But so yeah, we um, we'll, we'll be probably till March, uh, April. Well, if you got push butt, that sounds like April, May. Because if you got started late, maybe you're gonna have a late one too. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Global warming's kind of been. I don't know. People argue if that's a thing or not, but I. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember it was snowing by Halloween. You know, I remember that. We've had that was pretty rare, but we've had that. And then I remember too, like. It was a coin flip whether we had a white Thanksgiving, you know, whether that, and it was never a question whether we were going to have a white Christmas, you know, hardly ever. But now it's pretty much, yeah, we don't get snow till. You know, Take a little bit of water. So, you know, one second. Yeah, no problem. Go on, chat. Mr. Joe Wyatt. Robert, Mr. Green Finger Thomas. Bill Sid, Chad Westport. So, what was her name again? I said Nomi, but was that not right? That wasn't her name, Bob. Well, I call on Miss Auntie Nicola, Miss Nicola, but I mean Naomi. I think Naomi might be like, um, I have to check. It's so bad. You know, like, for example, what's Smiley's name, Bob? I don't know. His name is Mr. Gardens. His name is fucking Smiley <laughs> Gardens. But it's still my bridging, like I'd vote for you any day. You understand what I mean? So it's kind of like that. Too. I really have to check, honestly. But no, I got to go from what Auntie Nicola. I like it. Auntie Nicola. Yeah, man. Oh. There's right. a couple ones, even like the mushroom culture in Jamaica. It's really, man, it's something. I can tell you, there are some herbs in Jamaica that you don't have to do mushrooms. Like, I don't even want to, it's not like a tourist pitch I'm trying to put, but you understand what I mean? There are really some herbs in the Caribbean that my brother, hallucinogenic, is an understatement, you know? So, but the culture itself now with how the medicinal approach has been taken to cannabis and in the medicinal approach towards mycology, it's bringing those now to me in a safer light to the public. Because I really, you know, it's not something that I really appreciate getting out there like that. Like it's not your something I'd want to see become recreational, which is what a lot of these substances end up become if you understand what i mean a lot of these medicinal so you know the ayahuasca and all these things you find people just taking it as another way to get high you know another seeking to get high which i don't really have a problem with because i think maybe mankind and a whole we kind of were born to get high if you understand what i mean 
And when I say this, put it this way, you know, like a little child when they're just born, just imagine like, so, you know, one that's just start walking. One of the first things they find amusing, they spin themselves around in a circle and just that dizzy feeling, they just laugh and they just find it so amusing. But it's that altered state of being that is very attractive to us as human beings. So I'm not going to deny it, that it's not there. You know what I mean? But we still must have some control within ourselves that we can now realize the use and the purposes and then not abuse these substances. For lack of a better, we are putting it, you know? Getting a little too much oxygen in my lungs, you know? Give me one second, let me read what. Yeah, do the thing, man. I'm going to do the same. I think we missed one of the 20s, but... Well, it's like... Yeah, I, I think I, I got so confused earlier because I'm just figuring out when you guys say 420 is really every 420. I thought it was every 20 minutes. So that's why you notice I've been pacing myself. So I'm not falling into the trap again. I was so diligently hitting every 20 minutes on the Eagle Show and all these other shows. And I'm like, what? It's only every 420. Oh, I love it. Uh, language barriers, you know, what can I tell you? You're, I know you're the one person that Eagle won't challenge to a smoking contest. So. <laughs> oh, man, it's not a challenge, man. It's just a jar, you know? Right. That's funny. I don't ever try to do that. Some of that stuff, like, uh, I mean, even, like, you know, hitting dabs a ton of times, like, in a row throughout the day, like, I just, there's something about it that just doesn't feel right either, you know, it's like, uh, it's heavy on you. Yeah. I'll do it for the fun of it and hang up, but honestly, like, I do have friends that if you really want to go to a smoking competition, I'd bring them, like, I'd enter them, I'd pay the entry fee, you know, <laughs> like, Rasta Spice, you know, Smiley, Uncle Pablo. I mean, I have an uncle that's maybe like 60 something, and I'm sure he does smoke right. And he, his pulls are big. He pulls out. Like, I take baby jars. I'm, I think my lungs have shrunk over the years. And, yo, know, when he smokes, like, he disappears. You don't see him again. Completely disappears. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I would. It's crazy, you know. But we just give thanks for the moment, you know. That's the I'm not sure if it's cannabis or what's that thing he uses? What's that thing he uses? This card? Well, man, I'm, I have to try to figure out how to get onto it, man. I mean, this cannabis thing is really interesting and I'm but I, I, I'm just not understanding how to navigate it that easily, you know. The discord? Yeah, both of them. I don't know. I'm missing something, but Me too. I'm gonna try again tomorrow. 
I suck at them things, man. I don't know how to do it either. I'm, that's why I had it for a minute, and then I was just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. So then I dropped to Well, Instagram was pretty easy because my, my boys like it. My kids, they're on it. So they're like, yeah, Papa, we can hook you up, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right. So anything that they're into, I can get into pretty easily. But if they're not into it, I'm screwed. No, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I like that. Yeah, man. That happened quick, too, to me, Bob. I was, I was, like, going through school and stuff. I was kind of a computer geek there for, you know what I mean, through, like, junior high, early part of high school and shit. And even out of high school, I was into electronics, fixing cars and whatever. And, and, yeah, man, like, you stop doing that or you fall behind on computers for a minute. And it was like, I got a new computer. I couldn't fucking do shit on there. I don't, I don't know. It was one of them moments where you kind of like, holy shit, I'm the next generation that doesn't know the fucking technology now. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I thought I was cool. I had an Excite account. You remember Excite and Hotmail? I still have, you know. So, you know. But um, they looked, I finally got this laptop the other day, you know. And they were telling me that, how do you know? It's an old laptop. It's because it still has a CD drive on it. Right. And I'm thinking, sad because mine didn't. I was like, where's the fucking put these in? But as I'm happy, I'm like, I'm, I'm actually upgraded. I'm in the system now. You know, I'm a part of the thing. And you're telling me I'm still out there. Come on now. Yeah. So I was cleaning out some stuff and I found like a floppy drive, a floppy disk. And if you remember those when we had to in high school, that's all we had to do our projects on. It has like one megabyte or something like that on it. And he was laughing. He's like, one megabyte. <laughs> and he was cracking up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it could hold a couple of reports, you know. I don't know. Yeah, if it was too many pages, too, you had to have two or three of those discs to like <laughs> make it all work. Yeah, I remember that shit. I remember them days for sure. And slide them to the side and, you know, yeah, man, you remember even cassette decks, so you had to put like a piece of cotton in it to like tape over it because I didn't want the tape on the cassette deck, so I had to show them how a cassette player works and, yeah. There it goes, man. So the CDs, I guess, I don't know. It's all, well... It's so funny because we call them thumb drive in Jamaica, but I think it's actually jump drive. But just for anybody who knows, it's not a thumb drive. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Let me not try to correct any technology terms. Fall into some shit. It might be. Yeah. But I, I can really agree that the technology has really upgraded, like, super, super fast. Like, rapid, rapid, rapidly, you know. And likewise, I think that's why... The youth nowadays, I really have some kind of hope. You know, a lot of time I get opportunities to speak at, you know, universities, classes, you know, things like that. And they're doing courses on economics and minorities in this and, you know, new industries. A lot of them doing it on culture and reggae and, you know, whatever it is. But it's a lot of young people in terms of, you know, 18 to 21, 22, you know, undergraduates or graduates, stuff like that. And the way you hear them talking, it's really, it, it gives you hope because you, you, you really need legislative action to really enhance our moves, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. 
So when you have people, the policymakers and the new generation that's coming up, that will be thinking that have not have been influenced by the propaganda. What's going on, Johnny Tennessee? K2, DLP, 372. What up, man? That was a good way to come back in, by the way, Bob. I like that. It's not, so that was a good way to come back in. And you kind of froze and disappeared and then came back in and you were puffing on <laughs> well, I just figured that anytime it does that it's giving me a time to reoxygenate, you know, take out yeah. some oxygen and so I just use the opportunity. Yeah, no doubt, man. I was gonna say if uh maybe we should uh close this one out and we'll uh save the info that was on there when you open up a rabbit hole and hang out smoke and uh all right. You like that one, Bob? Yeah, man, anytime you're ready, man, no problem, you know. As I said, you know, certain individuals, anytime you call, whatever I can do, my brother. Yeah. No, I'm I appreciate happy. it. Man. And I really, I don't see myself as <laughs> any guru. You have people been calling me some names that I've not really, I'm been kind of uncomfortable, you know. But yeah. truthfully, if there's been any form of pleasantness or any, you know, more positive influence on anybody and I can provide it in any way, shape or form, whether ganja related or otherwise. I really give thanks for the moment and you know for the opportunity and if that is the purpose being fulfilled. You know, I just keep my cup pouring it out as much as I can and the universe I will just keep pouring into I and I and we just, you know, keep passing on the blessing. So like a herb for the poor, but it's P-O-U-R. That's what I call it, herb for the poor, you know? <laughs> so I soon get somebody to get me a little logo. I want a little jug or a little child just pouring out beer, love, and blessings all over there. But one day, you know, but that's really just what it should be all about, in my opinion. So thank you very much again. Respect. Much Enough respect. respect. I appreciate it, man. I don't know if you hop out, I'll close it out and uh yeah, you go probably fire up the next rabbit hole. So then hopefully you can take a leak and jump back in. Cool. Awesome everybody. Yeah, I, man, that was uh just to kind of recap that uh just the whole thought and encompassing uh the vibe that she brought of, you know, everything works together. We all have, you know, if we all have our hands open trying to offer what we can to each other, then that's how everything should be working. And, uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Some of you, each of you took something away from it, and uh, I know I did. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. So.